Hello and welcome to The Back Page, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts, your host, and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, how was trouser shopping in M&S? Stressful, <laughs> um, because I, I'm pushing at the limits of what their trousers can offer me, I think, which is very embarrassing, but I'm a tall, tall and round fellow these days. And trying to get a combination of those things is very, very difficult. And there's just nothing worse than putting on clothes that are too small for you because you just feel like an absolute clown and just giant and terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess I hope that would yield a a more amusing anecdote rather than a kind of like a bit of despair. But as someone who has also bought trousers (laughs) in his 30s, I understand, you know. I, uh... Yeah, I mean, like, I went to a shop and put on trousers. It's, uh... <laughs> There's not a lot of zany stuff that can happen in that scenario. That's fair enough. So, Matthew, <laughs> we're recording this on a rainy Sunday morning. We are going to talk about the PlayStation 2, something we haven't discussed that much on this podcast before, actually. I don't know how we mm. haven't really... That hasn't really come up in 38 episodes, but um, here we are. So, the premise of this one is quite simple. So, obviously... It's been a while since we've done a little another of these um, draft episodes. The first one we did was the game developer draft. People got quite into that. We had more than 300 votes on the end result, which we really appreciated. So we thought another kind of competitive episode would be fun. We've themed this one around the PS2 because we thought that constructing a hypothetical PS2 Mini would be a fun exercise to kind of audit the massive library of that console. Mm. And also, it seems like with the launch of the next generation consoles... The brief spate of miniature versions of retro hardware seems to be at an end. And they arguably mm. stopped doing them before they got to any of the actual good ones. That is like just a, <laughs> a, that's a salty statement that I don't really stand by. But um, <laughs> So obviously Sony made its own PlayStation uh, Classic Mini. It was actually considered quite disappointing in terms of the lineup. They um, Sony themselves clearly struggled to build something that represented the sort of like broad library of that that system and missed out on some you know pretty major stuff like your crash bandicoots and such which i'm sure matthew would be happy not to see in circulation again but um (laughs) yeah so what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to basically compete across 10 categories to pick the best ps2 games so we'll each have a list of 10 games at the end of this so broken down by genre we'll talk a bit more about what those genres are when we get to the next section and um that's basically the thing that you're going to be voting on, is who picked the best 10 games. So, very straightforward. But Matthew, I was curious, how have you found this process of trying to kind of like swat up for this episode? Uh, it's been fun. Like, I, I always, you know, like going back and reading kind of, you know, list features and and sort of particularly, you know, now there's a bit of distance and like, you know, the console is complete, for want of a better word. And people can kind of like have a definitive list, you know, because you always have evolving lists while you're working on a platform. And that's always interesting. But there's always something nice about reaching the end and being able to just lay everything out and say, this is it. This is what I think. So it was interesting reading like other people's thoughts on it. I don't have the same background with PlayStation that you do. So some of it is, you know, I've, I've played I've played enough and I've, I've filled in like enough gaps over the years. But some of my picks aren't necessarily like lived in i guess hmm. which is a, which is a bit sort of shaky territory there's been a lot of debate in my head over the need to create the best 10 games so that i win this draft which is important <laughs> to me as a competitive person but also you know should i be true to my personal experience or do i cynically pick stuff that i know will play to the play to the masses 
do I pick stuff that I know means a lot to you that <laughs> has like no meaning to me? Uh, would that be shitty? Lots of questions. <laughs> yeah, I think when we discussed this like a few days ago, you said to me, a lot of this for me is about taking nice things from you, um, <laughs> which I thought was a great sort of like attitude towards this, this process. <laughs> I very much enjoyed that. I must say for me, the list is primarily composed of stuff I've played. You're right, I have got more PS2 experience than you. I first got a PS2 in 2001. I've probably played about... 250 to 300 ps2 games which is just like um a fraction of the library still but it's um that's across like demos as well as full games so i have lived mm. in experiences on the console for sure to draw upon there's a couple of like games in my um selection that i haven't played as much or i have picked because i needed an alternative for a genre in case you pick another game so that's kind of weighing on me a little bit but the primary list of games is all stuff i've played comprehensively so we'll see um, what wins out <laughs> yeah i was wondering if you had any broad observations about the ps2's library matthew just from going through this process i mean it's pretty amazing yeah. uh, i'd say i mean and also just such an exciting time particularly in like japanese game development it still mm. feels like you know you know they're firing all cylinders there's just so much like weird genre stuff and so much effort being pumped into like genre stuff that now it feels like it's kind of been given over to sort of like indie or smaller developers anyway that i think looking at that library and looking at what it has i can sort of better understand the tastes of of like my peers a bit yeah. i guess you know i was a nintendo gamer when when this stuff was was sort of happening and so my all my formative experiences are with nintendo games but i can like better understand where like playstation heads are coming from for sure yeah it's really interesting to kind of dig into this by genre. In doing this kind of like list, I sort of observed that some genres really did thrive more than others. So there aren't many good first-person shooters on PS2, for yeah. example. Whereas obviously if you get to the 360 era, PS3 era, the first-person shooter becomes like the most important genre, basically. And so it's quite interesting to see that that doesn't really exist so much. Or there yeah. are some genres where there are like... There are only two or three truly essential games in that genre, and then a bunch of also rands. So, yeah, very very interesting yeah. times. Yeah, the shooter thing is is interesting. I guess that's just because this is still like a Japanese centric console, even though it's massive around the world. Hmm. It, you know that that takes the lead. Definitely impacts that. I think also back then, just tech wise, you had a much bigger gulf between what consoles were doing and what PC. You know, PC was the home of first person shooters. Like I. First-person shooters I still associate with, like, kind of cutting edge of kind of graphics, or at that point then, anyway. So there's maybe a sense of, like, what works on PC, you know, is probably too much for what's going on on, on console, and definitely that balance changes when you get to the next gen. That's a, that's a really hard category, that one, and I think I've got quite unsatisfying answers for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll get to that. I observed one other thing about the PS2 catalogue. Obviously, it is incredible. I have a lot of affection for so many of these games. So when I looked at like Metacritic's sort of like top 100 games, I should stop talking about Metacritic on this episode, on these episodes because I think that people are going to think that I, that's the only thing I pay attention to. I don't. They just happen to be really easy way to look at a long list of games on one format. Yeah, it's so, very convenient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, shout out to Metacritic. But yeah, I think that you could with the PS2. 
this was like the last console where you could have a truly subjective experience of what the console is because the library was so vast, so much bigger than that of its competitors. And there was such a variety of stuff that your PS2 experience could be completely different from another person's PS2 experience. Whereas we're at a, I don't want to say we're necessarily in a monocultural age. We have indie games and like there's a lot of different ways your your gaming life will you know alter from someone else's experiences. Mm. But it feels like in terms of big games, you could basically play about you know 20 amazing games and another person could play 20 amazing games and they might not be the same games whereas these days i feel like it's more likely that people everyone who owns a ps4 would have played you know horizon zero dawn or god of war right and you know notably i think the rise of kind of like mega selling games sort of ha- happens this generation but then in the next two generations you do the, the numbers push even higher which suggests to me that a lot more people are playing the same games Whereas it's a bit more spread out on PS2. That was something else I kind of observed. Do you think that's there's anything in that? Yeah, I I think so. I think that's that 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 feels true. I also wondered like what role things like PlayStation Two demo discs played in that in just giving a lot a lot of people, you know, because this is a time when magazines are selling like mega mega numbers. So you know, definitely in the UK at least, you know, you're talking about like a. a a lot of people of this generation have memories of buying those mags and playing those demo discs and it just acts as a taster menu for like you say this absolutely mammoth library so there's there's like a i don't know almost sort of uh that lead to like better discoverability i guess and maybe that leads to this this slightly like you know weirder kind of niche stuff being able to sort of survive around the edges yeah for sure i think that like you say the ps2 demo discs I have really fond memories of the um, of of the PS2 mag around this time, the official mag. I thought it was excellent in its early days. Mm. And I was exposed to so much stuff that I wouldn't have played otherwise. Like I say, I've mentioned in previous episodes that Dynasty Warriors 3 is something I got exposed to via a demo disc that I bought it and then failed my AS levels. You know, that was like a... That's a vintage Sammy Roberts anecdote, that one. But um, <laughs> uh, but that that was on the same demo disc as Hurdy Gurdy and Ico, for example. So right. just in that month, like that's... I'm not saying... Hurdy Gurdy was obviously bad, but that was like the cover game that month. Imagine um, failing your AS levels because of uh, Hurdy Gurdy. <laughs> yeah, that didn't <laughs> that make any of... not as cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, obviously uh, Ico is that, that kind of game where it sort of hits you out of nowhere. And I almost think that... A demo disc, probably playing that demo, just set me up to be obsessed with Ueda's games down the line and stuff like that. It's just being exposed to the experience is enough to kind of plant the seed and you wonder how much impact that has down the line because probably many more people played that Ico demo on that demo disc than actually bought Ico at the time. But obviously mm. his games have persisted as in popularity, so... Yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah, it was definitely a big part of the culture that no longer exists now. I mean, this is the last generation where demo discs really are sort of like you know game changing in terms of how people sort of absorb games. So that mm-hmm. was interesting. Yeah, entire genres this generation that like no longer exist after uh, after this. Light gun shooters. This is pretty much their last hurrah. I really enjoy going through this library of games, Matthew. It did make me think this console was rad as fuck. There'll never be another console like this that's as dominant, that has as much exclusive stuff, just because people didn't need to put it on every format at the time, you know? It was just, this is where all the people are playing games. We'll put it here, and it's fine. And that's, you know, respect. Definitely. I mean, there's, you know, something we've talked about, like, a little bit in the Discord, and maybe I've, I've, I've mentioned it in previous episodes, I can't remember as well, is trying to, like, hone in on games, which... 
like feel sort of PS2 to their bones mm. in terms of someone asked on Twitter whether we could have multi-format games and I think we can but there are definitely multi-format games which feel like they really lived on PS2 and they were part of that console's identity and you know and maybe that's maybe that's slightly skewed just because it was a massive console so it you know it could like dominate and and even so I'd say there are other games whose like narrative is intertwined with another machine so even if it ended up on PlayStation 2 I think it would be a bit bogus to make it part of the PS2 experience look we get it Matthew you played Resident Evil 4 on GameCube okay you had the Re- better Resident fire Evil effects 4 is a game is a GameCube game is yeah. you know for, for, like that is the perfect example in fact a lot of the, the those Capcom games which like lived on GameCube first Yes, they're on PS2, but they aren't PS2 games. They just aren't. Like, yeah. they just don't. They're not part of that machine's identity and feel. And so, yeah, there's lots of stuff that I love, which I've kind of deliberately avoided for that reason. But you know, we can probably get into some of those when we're talking through the genres. Yeah, for sure. I think um, that's a very good point. There, like, there is an essential PS2 osity, I guess, to <laughs> a PS2 ness that you have to sort of tap into with these games. So, I do have a few. You know, I'm hoping to land a few multi-format games, and I've been quite selective in what I've picked. And um, it is stuff that either appeared on PS2 first, or I, at least to me, as somebody who owned a PS2, is synonymous with that console. So, yeah, yeah I very much enjoyed that. I will say to listeners at home, this doesn't necessarily rule us out doing a best PS2 games list down the line that's a bit more comprehensive, but um, we'll only do that if we hit an anniversary, and um, we've got a little while to one of those. So mm. this is a, this will be a fun exercise that um, we might replicate with some other consoles if it proves popular. So Matthew, people I feel like have a good a good grip of what the PS2 is at this point, so should we take a quick break then just get down to it? Let's do it. Welcome back to the podcast. So, the PS2 Mini Draft, we're going to do it. So, it's simple. We each pick 10 games to go on a prospective PS2 Mini, capturing the breadth of the hardware in some small way. We will pick by genre. All you have to do is go vote on it at Backpage Pod in our week-long poll. We'll discuss the winner in a future episode. I suppose, like, to set a criteria, Matthew, I mean, I'll just make sure that you. Uh, this is what you've adhered to before we go ahead. It's about who picked the best games but also who picked the best games with a kind of PS2 identity. It's a mix of those two things combined. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think, so. I think it's like if you, if you saw these two PS minis on a shop shelf and you felt like that is, that is the PS2 experience as I know it, or I, I recognise that as a, as a PS2 experience and not something that's just pandering as, like a, as just a general games collection. It, it sort of makes sense in my head. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And a fun exercise at the end of this is when you look at the two lists combined, when these minis are actually released, they have about 20 games on them. So in a way, you know, together we are building a PS2 mini, but all you have to do at home is vote on who picked the best 10 games. So it's pretty straightforward. Mm. Yeah, I um, I really I really enjoyed this. So let's get down to the categories, Matthew, and we'll, um, we'll talk a bit more about how we selected those. So... Mm. Or rather, how I did, and then asked yeah, you, "Is I, this okay?" I, I was, I, I did sign off on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I got your people to okay. <laughs> okay, so category one: shooter or fighting game. Category two: 
Survival Horror. Category 3, Sports or Racing. Category 4, RPG. Category 5, Action or Stealth Game. Category 6, Platformer. Category 7, Open World Game. Category 8, License Game. Category 9, Wild Card. Something Weird and Culty from the PS2 Back Catalogue. Category 10, Free Pick. Literally any PS2 game to represent the breadth of the library. So for the listener's benefit, I will repeat those before we get into it, Matthew. But why don't you tell me your thoughts on these genres in a kind of broad way? Yeah, so I think there are some genres which are, it feels like in my head, there's kind of a clear winner. And if you don't get it, <laughs> everything else is going to be a little bit disappointing. Yeah. So that's kind, of, that's kind of fun because obviously we can pick the categories in any order. So we're trying to prioritise the genres to get what we want up top. So I feel like there are a couple which I know are going to be very competitive. I think there's definitely one category which I'd argue kind of has no good games in it, (laughs) Um, which makes it very, very difficult. I imagine people already know which one that's going to be. I think there's some categories which are just an embarrassment of riches, and it makes me happy that we've got that total free pick where we can basically cram something in. Yeah, there's just a couple of categories here where, like, this machine and particularly, like, the, the Japanese game development scene was just absolutely flying during this period. And, you know, you could probably make a great machine just out of that genre. Okay. So that's, that's it's, yeah, some, some, are, some are really generous, some are super mean. A couple of them I genuinely struggled with. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, so th- this is a tough exercise because the PS2, I mean, according to Games Radar in 2011, has over 1,850 games. So right. boiling that down is tough. Obviously, a lot of that is going to be like FIFAs and WWE games and stuff. But, you know, a lot of it isn't. So in suggesting these 10 categories, I was quite calculated in the sense that I wanted the drama of like this genre, you have to pick this one game. Or it's basically going to be a struggle because that adds to the competition. So, yeah, I mean, here's how it works. Me and Matthew will take it in turns to pick from these genres. Once you've picked a game for that category, the other person can't pick it. So, you know, it's it, as we kind of go one by one, games will come off the board and that's where the competitive aspect lies. So mm. it's it's going to be quite interesting, I think. I also left some categories wide open because I did want to... I don't know, have a bit of like, I guess, artist interpretation of what this thing is or what, you know, what is important on the PS2 relative to this genre. And so, and I think the genre you're speaking about where there's no good games, is that licensed game, Matthew? Oh, no. No, but, I actually think platformer. Oh, okay, right, yeah. I mean, I think that people will disagree with you on that. But I mean, that's the Matt Castle. This is, there are well, no good yeah, games I, in the genre. So actually, there are... I've got a couple of things that I'd be quite. Ha- I'm quite happy with that, but they. I will say they are not exclusive games because Play- PlayStation is not really the home of good exclusive platformers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got you've got quite a free run at that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that there are some categories where, like I say, because it's left to you to sort of interpret, you can't necessarily lose. There are definitely more than like two good picks for each one. So yeah. <laughs> I, I really fighting shooter i really struggle with because i i have i have no eye for fighting games i will say up front yeah like so I, I will annoy some people with some like real dud pick in that one i shouldn't really be giving this away i, I need to keep you i need to keep you kind of like in the dark so you don't know 
kind of you, you can't lean on any of on any of this sort of foreknowledge yeah okay well i think let's um let's crack on with it matthew i'll read out the categories one more time for the listeners so category one shooter or fighting game two survival horror three sports or racing game four rpg five action or stealth game six platformer seven open world game eight licensed game nine wild card something weird and culty from the ps2 back catalogue and ten Free pick, literally any PS2 game to represent represent the breadth of the library. So, right, Matthew, do you want to do the coin flip on your end? Didn't you do an internet coin flip last time you did a draft? Oh, yeah. See who goes first. Right, what what do you want? Uh, I'll go with Tails. Tails it is. Oh, what a relief. Okay, so, to kick off with them, Matthew, I'm going for survival horror. Oh, fuck it, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> What a great start. Uh, this is like, this is literally the only game I knew I needed. Um, because I think there is only one game you can pick to win this category. And then there's quite some quite good also rants. But there is only one game that, you know, really tops out here. And that is, of course, Silent Hill 2. So... <laughs> uh, are you okay, buddy? You all right? Yeah, that's... I. The second we came up with this draft and the categories, that was the one I was like, it, it has to be Silent Hill 2 or Bust. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry. And I was like really sweating it. Like, if I don't win the coin toss, I know I'll lose out on this game. And yeah, so Silent Hill 2 then. Obviously, a survival horror game with a, a massive reputation, I would say its reputation is almost disproportionate to the number of people who have played it at this point. It's like, it's, you know, it was a, it was a big selling and acclaimed game at the time, but... Its themes and its imagery, obviously the kind of like um, imagery representing the themes of the story in in some of the kind of monsters that you find in the in the game, that stuff has like really far exceeded. I think the the what the actual game itself. It's a really it's got quite a mythical reputation. I think, but mm. it's a really good, straightforward eight hour survival horror game that's quite simple in its like settings and stuff. It's you know it. it, it you are in Silent Hill. It is a real feeling town. A lot of this game is spent just going through like some apartments or like a hospital and encountering some like fucked up shit. And it just gets it gets darker and darker. Every character you meet is really strung out, has really simple combat, um, doesn't really have like much of a sort of HUD. I don't think it's got any HUD at all, actually, which, mm. you know, again, makes it feel quite quite timeless um it doesn't like it doesn't look like an ancient game necessarily really really nice mm. fog effects obviously but um you know blown up with an emulator this game looks fantastic still and um i really hope that they find a way to re-release it in its original form but i'm not holding my breath because it's konami matthew any thoughts on this one yeah i mean just a, a game with incredible texture you know i think actually the the, the difficulty of playing this game I mean, it's available in many forms but you know, none of those forms kind of have that right texture, and you know, there's there's been quite a prolonged effort to restore like the PC version and kind of mod the PC version into something kind of closer to to what people remember or wanted from the PS2 version. I think that's just because it has such a kind of impact and sort of embeds itself so kind of clearly that you know the fear like something that sounds a bit wanky like the feel of the mist is kind of super important to this game and i think it shows that you know how much all these tiny things really matter yeah i mean kind of sort of spoils some survival horror in a way as well because i feel like 
ever since this game, there's been a lot of like poor imitators. Mm. I think like psychological horror is is quite weak. People, there's something people don't get, and I can't really put my finger on what it is. But I think a lot of people try and emulate Silent Hill. You know, specifically, I mean, I'd say the general series, but probably specifically too. Maybe in the storytelling more than anything else, and it's never quite right. And th- th- there's like nothing worse than playing the poor imitators. So um, people are very lucky that they get to play the original and best on your PS2 Mini. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's um, I'm I'm very happy with that pick. Obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about that game again down the line. In fact, it comes up on our next episode, which we recorded before this one. So mm. that'll be good. Um, so Matthew, why don't you go with your first pick? Oh, because I feel like do I try and like wound you <laughs> in some way, or do I just take something which is? I I actually think from here it's like it's a bit karma waters. Like it. Yeah, I I think I've got like. I need to guarantee a couple of winners, so I'm probably for action or stealth, go Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Good pick. Very good pick. Well, ah, here's a question, a, a technical rule I wanted to raise. Mm-hmm. Where do we stand on versions of Snake? Does that mean you can you can you pick subsistence, or is that bullshit? No, that, that would be a, an absolute prickish thing to do. <laughs> right, in which case, I'll probably put subsistence in as it's the... yeah. The, the fullest version. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing, but with extra stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Why, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's a game I kind of t- took a while to click with. I remember renting it on PS2 when I was at university, just reading about it in the mags and reading, like, all the little tricks and weird gizmos and wanted to see it for myself. And I found it quite awkward to begin with because it's it's a game with, like, what I would have called back then a lot of, like, faff. You know, with things like the camouflage and the, the healing of yourself. Like I, I just remember spending a lot of time fucking around in menu screens, which seemed not particularly fun. But I sort of appreciate a lot, a lot of that stuff more now as the kind of like unique character of the game. It's like a fantastic James Bondy adventure. I mean, it's probably Kojima's most like traditionally cinematic game for someone who is so obsessed with cinema this is the closest he comes to making a big interactive movie like if if you were to make a movie of any of them this is the one I'd watch and would be most enjoyable I think it's very easy for it to become in your mind just a series of these incredible like boss encounters which is true of a lot of Metal Gears but there's just a, a lot more going on in between the stealth just feels a lot more complete in this. Uh, I love that the, the prequel element. You know, I was, you know, I'm not a big Kojima Metal Gear lore person, but I like it enough that you know I liked seeing like young Revolver Ocelot. I thought was just such an awesome creation. Like that, that's my kind of like ideal sort of fan service. I think this is before the kind of series goes off the deep end with that kind of lore. It's just the right balance of it. Yeah, just. An incredibly stylish idea-packed game. It's mechanically between I, well, five, I think, is the better game mechanically, but it's it's between five and and three for my favourite Metal Gear. So, I mean, come on, it's it's not a bad pick. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, this is a game where we touch upon this in our the episode where that's coming out next week as well. But where its reputation really grew over time, I, th- I feel like I think that it arrived without the hype that MGS2 did. And yeah, it was a far superior game to MGS2. Really kind of benefits from the fact that it's uncoupled from the main, the lore of the main series in a lot of ways. It does have some ties back to the Patriots and stuff. And Metal Gear mm. Solid 4 will re- 
you know bring quite a lot of the sort of like themes in this back and some characters and stuff but generally speaking it's very standalone it's like you know mm. if they're they're making a Metal Gear Solid movie. In some ways, I think this would be the best one to pick because mm. it's got a really obviously it's got a great character arc for its main character, but also its main antagonist, your mentor, the boss in the game. But at the same time, it's yeah, it's not weighed down with lots and lots of explanation and boring cutscenes and stuff. So there's not as much baggage with it. It's just that it's along with the first Metal Gear Solid, it's the Metal Gear Solid you can just pick up and play and enjoy by itself without having to worry about continuity and stuff. So I really adore this game, and I think you've made a great pick. Obviously, this was my um, this was going to be my second pick if you, for some reason, didn't pick it. But I thought you would, so uh, mm. <laughs> a good choice, Matthew. I'm sure we will talk about Metal Gear Solid Three in a future episode again, because yeah, yeah maybe when we have Rich Stanton on. But yes, so my second pick, then Matthew. This is tough, but I think I'm going to go with open world game. No, I'm not. I'm going to pick something else. I'm going to pick sports or racing. And I'm going to pick Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Oh, Yep. So this is a tough category. There's like a lot of stuff you could pick. I thought about Pro Evolution Soccer. I thought about Burnout. But I think that this is like a quintessential like PS2 classic. And like if I'm going to pick something that represents sports or racing on the console, I feel pretty good about about this one. Obviously, it's the it's when Tony Hawk was getting bigger, but not so big that it became kind of in incoherent and and messy which it would do in the waning days of the ps2 but Mm. it's still considered the best in the series obviously you know there's like a a remake of one and two and such but i feel like to a lot of people just playing this over and over again this is a a, a sort of like a massive early ps2 game it's the highest rated ps2 game on metacritic as well which is interesting really yeah yeah this was you know this was enormous it was just yeah just massive so yeah i mean it's you know, people know what Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is. It's like it's a series of sort of like uh, score attack, pulling off skateboarding tricks, and completing sort of secondary objectives to try and unlock new levels. And the levels in this were were vast and and quite exciting. And so, um, yeah, I feel I feel good about this. It's not like a sort of mega heart pick, but I feel like to a lot of people, this was just a PS2 game that they just played for like years mm. and years afterwards. So, yeah, I bet you probably thought I'd pick another category, didn't you, Matthew? I thought you might. I'm kind of glad. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I think, like, um, yeah, there's like, there's one category I'm kind of fine to lose, and I think that's the one you think I was going to pick. So it's mind games, this whole thing, you know. Yeah, it's it's tricky. So yeah, this is a multi-format game, Matthew, but this I, is one yeah, I actually I, care about. So yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, I I played, I actually played Pro Skater Four. I, I I didn't play three at the time. Four was the first Tony Hawk I really got into. I always think you kind of. You have particular affection for like the one way, where you like learn the game with. I did play it on GameCube, but it, this is a this is a PlayStation series, definitely. I I feel I I think it's kind of mad that this was as big as it was and as popular as it was as like a big score attack game where that style of game is so not out of favor but like out of vogue. I guess it just doesn't. You, you know, people don't make deep skill kind of narrow focus games like this anymore or when people have tried to do it you know there was a few attempts in the generation after this with like i guess things like the club and things like that you Mm. know the idea of like the three minute game that you played a million times yeah Um, or or like trials hd is kind of a successor to this yeah i guess there's yeah i guess there's a bit of it there yeah but it's it's just uh yeah i always thought it was odd that this this was mainstream and then that idea kind of sort of vanished and it was quite heartening to see one and two 
the HD versions recently so well received. Mm. Um, oh, that's it made you think, well, maybe there is an appetite for this. I'd love it if they did three and four. You know, I'd I'd love to replay four for sure. I think that's a really good pit. I mean, it's it's a great game. Yeah, good it's... luck getting the uh, music licensing all these years on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let my lawyers worry about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I really love the um, HD re remakes they did of the first two games that, they were terrific like what that's exactly i think that that crash bandicoot collection they did sort of like alerted them to the idea that you can't just throw these out and hope they'll do well because they already did that with tony hawk hd in like 2011 or 2012 or something and it was just such a cheap feeling package that um yeah mm. you got you got to give it some real love so uh yeah what's your next pick matthew so my next pick um, again i'm just going to go for a big crowd pleaser for open world game i'm going to do grand theft auto vice city that was the one I thought about picking. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got some thoughts on this category, but I think you've probably won this one. Like it's probably that's quite a, that's I a mean, very good pick. It's a good like affectionate pick, but there are good alternatives to this one as well. Yeah, there definitely are, and I think there's some. I think there are some other in like maybe like more interesting open world games. Like I will say, San Andreas was never in contention for me. If anything, I think the bloat somewhat of San Andreas. F- focused my mind on how good and tight Vice City is in terms of like what it's aiming to do and how well it delivers it. I thought I thought as a step up from GTA Three, you know, it's it felt like the biggest step the series has probably made in a single game. Maybe is that dumb? I think I think that holds up. Like Three had so a lot of the magic of you know what Grand Theft Auto was going to be about and like the core experience of like yes, it's. A whole city and it's 3D and isn't that amazing? But I think the like comedic tone, the bigger focus on story, like you know, actually having characters I can remember. As far as I'm concerned, three doesn't have a story. I could, like you could put a gun to my head and I couldn't tell you anything that actually happens in that game. But this one, I think the modern Rockstar formula is kind of basically created in an instant. They have so much fun in that time period, particularly with the music. I mean. Like regardless of whether you like the game, this is just a, a great. I love the '80s soundtrack. You could just treat this entry as as a as a music player rather than anything else, and still have a pretty good time with it. It's the game that let you hit people with hammers and golf clubs. Um, that stuff seemed absolutely you know incredible when I was whatever fifteen, sixteen. Like wow, you can go to a hardware store and buy a hammer and hit someone with it. That seemed that seemed like next level uh, to me back then. And there's still a dumb part of my brain which reacts well to that. So uh, yeah, I you know again it's totally mainstream, but you know rock rock solid. I mean I, I, maybe it does raise the question of should these minis do they have a duty to introduce you to more interesting things potentially or you know well uh, you, you might argue that some of the other categories are there for that right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. But there is something a little bit like like when you look at like the SNES mini it's almost too conservative. You know you look at it and go yeah of course all of this sure you know link to the past sure okay it's amazing we all know it but Hopefully I'll create a wider mix uh, around my two very mainstream picks so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, open world game I think has to be here because this is a genre that emerges on PS2. Mm. It's a very, you know, it's PS2 was the home of it for a long time. I mean, Xbox managed to get the three GTA games onto their hardware eventually, but always at least a year after Sony had it on theirs. So, 
you know, GTA was the big thing. If you wanted to be in on it, you had to have a PS2. It's a mm. massive part of why it had like a, a big lead this generation, along with having a DVD player, of course. So, mm. yeah, yeah, a good pick, Matthew. A good pick. The reason I didn't, I, I didn't hit full steam ahead on that pick is I think I've got, a, I've got a good strategy for how I'm going to unmoor you on that one. So I can, <laughs> I think I'm probably going to make that my last pick after this. But um, oh, yeah. So it's my number three, isn't it? My third pick. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with free pick, literally any game, PS2 oh. game, to represent the breadth of the library. <laughs> I'm going to go with Shadow of the Colossus. Ah, Jesus. That's literally what I wrote for mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought about Ico. I thought about Akami. But Akami is not a game I love, as we discussed. I just love the way it looks. I'm sure everyone does. But um, yes, Shadow of the Colossus, I think that you know this represents, first of all, what the hardware can actually like do. I mean, it really pushed it to its limits in terms of this game where, you know, you play this um, mysterious young man who has taken this mysterious woman who is like in some kind of coma, probably, to this mysterious land, puts her down on this pedestal and invokes these old gods, basically, which um, which say you have to go and kill all these nice monsters roaming this weird land in order to restore life to this mystery lady. And then you go out there and you do this and the combat encounters take place in the form of elaborate puzzles where you use the environment to figure out how you bring each of these monsters down. The spectacle is extraordinary, of course. The soundtrack is fantastic. It is one of the most ethereal and magical-feeling games on the console. I think that no PS2 Mini can be complete without it. Thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this game is just PS2 to its bones. You know, like, just you look at a screenshot of it and just where that machine was technically and the, the art style of it, everything about it just, I don't know, just screams PS2 to me. It's like probably like the definitive PS2 exclusive, which is why I wanted it. Um, <laughs> so that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough break for Matt Castle. But um, yeah, uh, lots of affection for this game. And uh, obviously there are kind of remakes of it and stuff, but I think that you've got to have that as part of the sort of content mix on one of these things. Yeah. So, what's your third pick, Matthew? Oh God, this is kind of throwing me a bit because that I that was that was going to be my next thing. I think I'm also going to go free pick for just because I've I've already nuked the category elsewhere. I oh God, this is super mainstream. I think I'm going to go free pick God of War two. Oh, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, I mean. For me, the kind of the God of War one versus God of War two, you know, I, I think the the consensus is two is the the bigger, better, sort of shinier, more confident game. Um, you know, I maybe have a bigger emotional connection, <laughs> such that it is to God of War one, just because I think it arrived so fully formed, and it just had such a kind of oomph to it. Like I really remember that. That the you know the opening on the ship with the kind of sort of hydrary thing and the sort of the sea sort of serpenty thing and just that huge you know like quick time takedown button cue appearing for the first time and being like wow this game is you know this is like big and ballsy and it's so like obnoxious and confident like it's a great first impression like that series is so born in its opening ten minutes and it, it you know it's basically those opening ten minutes writ large again and again and again but i think two's probably got the more iconic moments with the colossus of Rhodes and all that jazz grander scale to it yeah i mean like 
I always feel a bit. I'm on slightly shakier grounds talking about God of War two as an actual like where it sits in the kind of hack and slash kind of character act, you know mascot action game kind of pantheon. You know, like you know, it's not as sophisticated as what like Platinum are doing. It's not like got the the kind of camia kind of tightness to it, but it's pretty spectacular and fundamentally I can play it. Shit, I should have probably picked. Devil May Cry three. Oh well. <laughs> well, well, I'll have to live with that. Two. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's stick with that. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a great pick. I mean, God of War is a series that is utterly synonymous with PlayStation, and these these games have dated really well. I think, apart from the aforementioned sex mini games, which make it embarrassing, <laughs> and like the occasional just like you know poorly rendered boob, where you got to be like, yeah, that's you know, it was the the noughties we didn't know any better the people who made this were in their 30s and 40s what were they to do um <laughs> but <laughs> but you know the games themselves like in terms of the set piece design and like the the sort of theater of it and like kratos is a great character out of nowhere and if you think about it this generation sony does sony in like america they have stuff that does quite well and reviews quite well like mark of Cree and and such and i think that was kind of a predecessor to this but mm. you know God of War, just yeah, it's like a beefy, fun, exciting action game with puzzles, great bosses. Good pick, Matthew. Second one probably is the best one of those three. Good few. Yep, I like that. I'm just, I think I'm just trying to make you feel better. But yeah, <laughs> I just, I just, it's a little. Don't worry, I've got some like more. I've got some weirder stuff. I think um, currently, I'm just trying to. I'm just making sure that like. I went too weird with the studio draft from the off. I, I need like a foundation of big hitters <laughs> to build my weirder stuff on. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Okay, so this is tough. There's two categories I really want now. Okay, I think I'm going to have to go platformer and pick Jack and Daxter, the Precursor Legacy. So this was Naughty Dog's first game after they had to give up the rights to Crash and Crash Bandicoot, which I think was a condition of um, being sold to Sony. I think the rights stayed with Universal, who then sold it to Activision or some such. I don't really remember how that panned out, but, you know, we're not a Crash Bandicoot podcast here, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> Jack and Daxter is a far better game than Crash Bandicoot, if you ask me. It's much more in the kind of Banjo-Kazooie Super Mario 64 mold, where you're going around collecting mm-hmm. basically its version of stars. It's an open world game with no loading screens, which is very impressive for the time. They were just like, um, I think Andy Gavin at Naughty Dog was just kind of like a bit of a sort of genius when it came to hardware. So that was a big deal for them. Just have this big seamless world you can go explore. Yeah, I think it's a, a it's a game I've played like four or five times. There's no other PS2 platformer I really like. I don't like the sequels to this game. I think Jack 2, which introduces guns and open world play, you know, its ambition exceeds its grasp and it, the mm. main character becomes moody and... It's just it doesn't work. This is just a really fun throwaway sort of like fun platformer. It's with a quite a nice move set. Very annoying characters. I don't vouch for the script or anything like that at all. But I do think the world is very colourful and fun to explore. And the sort of different objectives they give you in each area can be quite uh, quite novel. It's a good exploration game. So yeah, I think as platformers go, this is the only one I could pick, which is why I picked this ahead of some of the other categories, Matthew. I hmm. I know you have no affection for any platformers on PS2, so. I'm curious no, I, to hear what you I, I, like some of some of it's just playing playing up a bit. I mean, uh, I did play Jack and Daxter. Um, my brother had a PS2. I didn't have a PS2, and he got this. And um, I think we played it all the way through. It's definitely the Sony platform I've played the most of. Uh, like I don't know, the look of it isn't quite for me. Um, I don't think I necessarily felt that like at the time, but like I was looking at some like little clips of it 
you know, for this. And I was like, oh, I don't really remember. Like, the, the art style isn't quite my cup of tea. But, you know, yeah, you're right. As a big, like, grand scale kind of platformer, you know, the jump isn't horrible. Um, I wasn't wild about that little hover bike you had to bomb around on at times. Yeah, um, that's what I'm actually amazed to hear. You saying the jump isn't horrible is as high praise as it gets for a pl- platformer on PlayStation. I mean, it's I not like I wouldn't say it's good, <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't horrible. Like it, like Crash Bandicoot is like a game you actively have to fight the shit controls. Um, this isn't that, but neither is it like just. I wouldn't play it for the pleasure of playing it. You know? <laughs> yeah, to each their own then, because I, I I do find this very pleasurable on a, a replay. I've been yeah. playing it while I've been working out. I didn't realize you were such a fan. Well, you I kept that one. You kept that one quiet. Well, there's a part of me that thinks, okay, what is a platformer that can represent the PS2 really well? And this, yeah. this, this does. This is like the first big platforming series. You've got Ratchet and Clank, obviously, as well. But I couldn't. There's. Um, I don't have as much a connection to them. There are loads of Ratchet and Clank games you can play on modern formats. That I don't necessarily think that. I, I didn't feel as invested in picking one of those. So, um, yeah, I feel like for a PS2 mini, the original Jack and Dax is a good shout. Okay. <laughs> okay, I think I know what you're going to pick next, and it's going to kill me inside. But we'll see. Well, so so I'm looking at RPG, and I feel like there's a game here that you that I know you really like, but I don't actually know if it is the best RPG that I would naturally pick. But I I wonder if I should go for something more interesting than it. In which case, it's not as important. But to get it out there, oh, this is very difficult. Um, this is the fight of the draft, though, isn't it? This kind of strategy. Yeah. I actually think I'm going to leave RPG for now because I think I'm safe for the time being. I'm actually going to go license game. I'm going to go the Warriors. Oh, that was actually my pick as well. Ah. Yeah, good pick. Very good pick. Yeah, like, it is multi-format, right? It is, yeah, but, you know, it's only... I, I, think, just, it's only I on just think Rockstar yeah. back then, like, in my head, this is still, like, Rockstar is a PlayStation company in my mind. So I, I, th- I, think, it, I think it's fair. I mean, like... If anything, this is a version of Rockstar I really miss, where I just feel like they were not just like a one-game company and, and channeling thousands of people into making extraordinary open-world games, although they were sort of doing that as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is the movie tie-in for the for the 70s film The Warriors. 70s? 80s? Uh, I think... I mean, surely it's 70s. They've all got fucking Mark Hamill haircuts, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, on paper, kind of... Maybe hard to see what the fuss is about. You know, it's a 3D beat 'em up based on this film, but I think it's like a real love letter to the film. I think it's a, a great advert for how to do a, an interesting movie tie-in, which is it basically sort of extends the story. The, the first chunk, at least in my head, like maybe the first half, first two thirds or something, is almost like a kind of prequel to the film. It's kind of like about how the kind of the warriors came to be, and it just feels completely true and consistent and coherent with what follows. You know, it just it it really does feel like an extended universe of the warriors, which you know, okay, maybe you're not excited about that, but as an exercise, I think that's super interesting. Like combat wise, it's almost a little bit like yakuzery in that it's very like environmental, picking up weapons, beating people down. It's big broad kind of thumpy brawling which i really like you've got like ai other members of your gang so there's like a real scale to it it's very very satisfying to watch had lots of weird mini games where you go around like 
graffitiing walls and stealing car radios and stuff actually looking into it again i'd I'd never really made the connection with like all the little weird mini games in um gta chinatown wars are actually Mm. quite similar to what they were doing in the warriors which is which is kind of interesting yeah there's a little bit of stealth which kind of reminds you a bit of like like what they were doing with like manhunt there was another rockstar game which was like a big open not open world but a big brawler game was there yeah i want to say it was called like was it like State of Emergency or something? I don't think Rockstar actually made that. I think that maybe their name was slapped on it, but I'm pro- oh, okay. I no, think okay. Well, yeah. we can we can ignore that connection. Anyway, it's like on paper shouldn't really work. Ends up being like this really complete warriors experience, um, which in itself is just such a sort of a mad thing to try and do. But to do it well and this well, I th- I think is very admirable. Like it, it's a good, it's a good sort of high standard for movie tie-ins. I actually think there are other good contenders for this one, though. So you know, I'm I'm curious to see what else you pick. Yeah, I really love the Warriors as well, and I think I agree with you. It's not it's not quite open world. It's like the levels are sort of hubs, and then yeah. you kind of go to different places, complete objectives, and leave. They're like big levels, basically. Mm. And I think that it's kind of weird, like Walter Hill alternate universe New York feeling vibes are captured very well here like in the sound the um the music is is really well selected i think i i really like the fact that it's a prequel in the like mm. large part i think about 70 percent of the game is a prequel then the other 30 percent mm. is just the assassination and the run across new york which is the premise of the film so one of the main characters in the game is a character who gets killed like in very quickly in the film that cleon guy he's their leader and in this game, you kind of get kind of like inducted as a kind of rookie into this gang. And it's like, hey, I'll just show you around and we'll do all this. And it, they got a lot of the original actors back for it as well, which is cool. Yeah, a, a really unusual game to make. It's a kind of like, it feels like a real one for us kind of game. Whereas, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. This but, was um, this was a more interesting era of Rockstar, wasn't it? Compared to yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I do like what they're doing now, but they, I don't know, they were doing so much more. And it was all pretty great, but they just get so hooked, I guess, on like just the, the the complete like photorealism of like their living, breathing worlds or whatever that it just eats up every resource they have. And once you've done, gone down that path, what can you do? Um, yeah, it's like an arms race of themselves. And, yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm sure there's other films they love as much as the Warriors that they could do in an, in in an equally interesting sort of style. I mean, you could argue like La Noire is sort of like as close as you're going to get to an LA Confidential game. You know, know, they've they've done things which are sort of parallel, but not um, never quite as, like, madly focused as this one. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, great pick, Matthew. So we're both five games... No, we're not five games through. We're four games through, aren't we? So, Mm. yeah, so this is my fifth pick. Okay, I'm going to pick Shooter or Fighting Game, Category 1. I'm going with Time Splitters 2. So this is famously a game that Matt Castle does not like. Um... (laughs) I think it's the only shooter worth having on PS2, personally. It's... Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not a kill zone guy, really. Although I think the PS3 kill zones are pretty good. But the Imagine first... being a kill zone guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was a, this is an easy pick. I mean, if you get one of these minis, they always come with two controllers. You want something to play with other people. I think that, you know, if you want something, sort of a fun multiplayer game, this gives you that. You know, obviously you can switch on the bots as well if you want to play solo. Time hopping uh, FPS game where every game every level is set in a different time period. I think some people prefer Future Perfect as a kind of like a, in this series, but I personally think that this is the most well known 
an iconic of those games in terms of what people remember. I think the very the level design varies quite a lot, but I I really enjoyed it as a shooter. I thought it was a really good twin stick shooter alternative to what I mean by that is like um, you know moving on one stick and aiming with the other was revolutionary for the time, you know. And Halo perfected it on Xbox, but I think Time Splitters did a great job as well. And there's still a lot of affection for this these games years later. And I, I was I was really fond of them. And I I take Matthew's criticism that guns feel a bit like firing Nerf bullets. But um, no, I, I like a lot of a lot of how this feels, and I, I particularly like adore the first level in this game, the one that's the Golden Eye Rift set in the Siberia facility. Yeah, that's a great. Uh, that's a really like fun level, and like I say, it's just it's like a it's just a, a sort of hot sort of shot of like yeah, Golden Eye nostalgia with like some added sort of zombies at the end, and um, mm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm fond of it, Matthew. But was this anywhere near your your pick for this century? No, I just I felt like having ranted about this before it would be it would just be horseshit for me to put this on my console i i I just don't like it i just don't like the feel of it and unfortunately all of the brilliance of this game you know of which there is there is plenty you know structurally it's incredibly generous i mean it's really of that era where i think games just went above and beyond to like earn like every pound you gave them you know there, there was so much unlockable stuff and score attacks and weird hidden things you had to do and the multiplayer suite is obviously huge you know all that stuff is great but if fundamentally the act of squeezing the trigger doesn't feel nice it's kind of all redundant and for me that's that's what this game is i should put it on there but this is like a stubborn one where i'm not going to do it um but i know loads of people love this game and that's quite a, a key part of the playstation puzzle yeah, I um, I think that you need something like this on the console, and this is broadly loved all these years later. When it was revealed recently that there is some version of Time Splits Two that is set that is inside Homefront: The Revolution, like a HD version, that was that got kind of like a, a lot of column inches, uh, relatively speaking. Um, mm. So I think that yeah, this is a this is a, I'm I'm betting on people really liking this game, and I I really did love <laughs> it at the time. So um, yeah, yeah. It, despite the Matt Castle cynicism, I'm uh, I'm not <laughs> buying it. The other thing was that. Of the fighting games that you could also have picked for this category, none of them seemed like a clear winner to me, which made it tricky. Like, um, you know, there, there are uh, Tekken 5 is more acclaimed than Tekken 4. That was my alternative if you picked Time Splits first. But I didn't, my heart wasn't really in that pick. I played a bit of Tekken 5, but not loads. Time Splits 2, I played loads of. So, um, yeah, mm. I'm feeling good about this. What's your number, your fifth pick, Matthew? I still don't really know what to do with RPG. Um, <laughs> so. I'm actually going to go wild card, and I'm going to pick which is something weird and culty from the PS2 back catalogue. I'm going to go Gregory Horror Show. Oh yeah, great pick, yeah. Which is a I, I actually didn't realise this was based on something. I thought this was just a random thing Capcom had concocted, but yeah, it's... I I thought this was like peak PS2 Capcom weirdness, you know. Yeah, but this is based on a little anime series about a sort of hotel run by this sort of horrible looking sort of rat called Gregory. You turn up at this place, you are basically sort of doomed to, you can't escape from this hotel, you're sort of doomed unless you can kind of collect the souls of all the the other guests. And it's kind of a, like the hotel's on this like time not not time, but it's got this like fixed routine element to it. So you know, a day plays out and everyone does their things, and you basically have to spy on the guests as they go about their daily routines to kind of pinpoint what their weaknesses are, so that you can steal their souls. So it's a little bit sort of hitmany, 
in terms of like messing with people's routines but it has got this survival horror element in that as you steal people's souls they become hostile to you so you're trying to continue doing your sort of spying and whatnot except now you're also having to like run from the guests there's like a sort of a sort of health meter which is like your sort of psychological state which can be worn down by things attacking you or like having to go into like dark spooky bits of the hotel it's got you know it it's it's this strange survival horror puzzle game with this kind of very blocky kind of like origami-ish art style super super odd um i don't think it was ever localized in the u.s so hopefully any u.s listeners will see this uh my ps mini as an opportunity to play this (laughs) cult classic (laughs) yeah just uh, very very odd not necessarily like the most amazing game ever but like a real novelty that you can just sort of you know i think it, it is a perfect kind of game to discover on a on a mini console yeah that's, i i like that pick a lot i've got to say this is the category where i felt like there were the most kind of potential picks just because i mean yeah uh, particularly for the like this podcast mm. like i feel like this is the zone where we kind of live which is like the wi- you know the weird sort of 7 out of 10s that you sort of adore yeah, so they were like, uh, that didn't even cross my mind because I didn't actually play it at the time. Like, um, it's quite rare, I believe, in Europe now as well, right? So, um, mm. um, yeah, this is definitely a cult game. So it's released in Europe and Japan, but not America. Is that right? Yeah. That's wild. How does that even happen? That makes no sense. But anyway, yeah, good pick, good pick. So, Matthew, since we're halfway through, should we do like a little audit? I'll read out mine, then you read out yours, see where we're at. Yeah, sure. Cool. Okay, so I've got, uh, for survival horror, Silent Hill 2. For Sports of Racing, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. For Free Pick, Shadow of the Colossus. For Platformer, Jack and Dax the Precursor Legacy. And for Shooter or Fighting Game, Time Splitters 2. What have you got? Mm-hmm. And I've got Action or Stealth Game, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater Subsistence. For Open World Game, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. For Licensed Game, The Warriors. For Wild Card, Gregory Horror Show. And for free pick, God of War Two. Those are both good lists. That's yeah, like, good that, lists. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough call. This this will be very close, I think. <laughs> so, number six for me, it's my sixth pick. I'm finally going to pick RPG, Matthew. Yeah, I'm going to go with Final Fantasy Ten. Mm-hmm. So, thought about a few different options for this. Thought about Final Fantasy Twelve, which I think critically is considered the better game. I think though, when you think PS2 RPG, this is the game that comes to mind. It's tricky mm. if you pick a Persona from this generation because the more comprehensive versions of Persona are available on handhelds. Um, actually, Persona 3 FES might be the same on, as it is on PS2. I thought about that one. But Persona 4 is obviously considered better on PS Vita. It's a more complete version. That's the version mm. you can play on PC. I thought about uh, Dark Chronicle, the level 5 game. But mm-hmm. I didn't really love that, to be honest. So Final Fantasy X has the good mix of like being an essential sort of like a ps2 game just like you know to its core it's like a ps2 game to me and i think to everyone at the time as well it was like the first big rpg on the system and i I obviously do personally love it as well so it was the first obviously the first ps2 game of this generation the first to feature voice acting the voice acting is terrible famously (laughs) Um, something to do with how their voice acting was coding uh, coded meant they had to fit all their lines into a certain amount of syllables it was kind of some localization madness quite interesting stuff but that aside, I think everything else about this game is fantastic. So it's set in this very tropical-infused world where uh, there's this big monster called Sin, like a giant sort of like mystical whale thing. 
that basically goes around the world destroying different bits of it. Whenever a place gets too built up, like um, there's, a, there's a bit too much going on in terms of like culture or population or whatever, it, it turns up and destroys that place. It's basically about, you know, keeping humanity oppressed. And then there is this uh, religion in the game that preaches that in order to basically stave off sin we have to like do things like uh, not use machines and and all this stuff basically behaving to a certain code of conduct and um even if you defeat defeat sin it comes back several years later and it's like quite this this whole kind of like cycle of death thing that's quite bleak underpinning this game but the world is beautiful like i say it's not like um it's like the opposite of final fantasy 7 it's not kind of built up or sci-fi at all it is just like lots of gorgeous looking caribbean like locations has um Really good turn-based combat system with a few tweaks from the PS, uh, PS1 ones. Uh, a really good progression system called the Sphere Grid that basically turns progression to a big board game. Really distinctive characters in terms of how they play. Some of the best summons in the series. You can actually manually control the summons, I think, for the first time. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just it's a, it's a really good all-rounder Final Fantasy game that holds up very well visually as well. So I feel good putting this on the PS2 Mini. I feel like anyone buying a PS2 Mini would expect to see this on there. More so right. than any other RPG on the system. So, thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's difficult. I'm I like personally, I'm still umming and ahhing about a couple of other things on here. I I knew this is like in my head a bit of a definitive Samuel Roberts game. <laughs> yeah, like I do have affection for it. I came to this massively after the fact. Like I played through this with Catherine. Actually, we played through the HD version on PS4. Because Catherine loves this game. She's like super into it. And actually playing it with a super fan and sort of seeing what they react to and the stuff that they that kind of gets them pumped, you sort of realise sort of how formative a thing this was for, for lots of people, mm. which is obviously something I can't ever tap into coming to it after the fact. You know, you sort of see it. If you play it years on, I think you see it in a slightly different light. I always thought it was mad that people got so upset about Final Fantasy XIII being a long corridor because the world design of X is basically that too. Yeah, the only difference is that you can go back to bits of the corridor using the airship yeah. at the end of the game. That's the main difference, really. And there are towns with people in them, which XIII didn't have. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it really did just feel like a, a very long winding path with like awesome cutscenes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, agree. I don't, so I don't it, contest that. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get into all the Blitzball stuff. Is Blitzball good? Um, I really like Blitzball, but I've never really, I don't think I've ever met another person, like in person, who has said it's good. So can I truly (laughs) say it's good, Matthew? I'm not sure. Um, Tough, tough gig. But I think you're right. This is like a a sort of definitive, definitely a definitive game. I mean, you know, PlayStation in my head is just like defined by Final Fantasy and... I guess at the point this came out, you know, this is not... I wouldn't say this is, like, the beginning for the end, but I think Final Fantasy gets a little weird after this in terms of, like, dominance and where it lives and where it belongs. Mm. So maybe it's, like, the last hurrah for, like, the very traditional Final Fantasy PlayStation kind of relationship. I know 12 is, is on PlayStation as well, but in my head, like, this is kind of... This feels closer to 7, 8, 9 maybe than what follows yes that that, makes sense i think so i think i think seven eight and ten are kind of of a piece a little bit nine's kind mm. of its own thing that's sort of got some connections back to the older ones and then 
Uh, I think actually a six, seven, eight, and ten are kind of connected. I think a little bit. Mm. And then yeah, then you've obviously got ten two as well on PS2, which I'm I'm not as as big on. Uh, but I know that was quite a formative game for a lot of people, particularly young women. Mm. At least anecdotally, that's what I've, when I've heard people talking about it critically. That's, right, right. Those that, that tends to be the audience for it. So yeah, I, and I completely respect that. But um, yeah, mm. so. Yeah, Final Fantasy X, Matthew. Um, I, I I don't think there's a category you can out and out lose, though, so I'm really excited to hear your pick for this one whenever it comes up. Yeah, I mean, I think now all the categories, we've each picked at least one, so, like, the pressure's off a little bit. We can yeah. kind of, we've got a little bit of, like, elbow room now to just kind of uh, pick over the remains. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I feel like I've calmed down now and can just talk about the games a bit more, and I'm just, like, a bit, <laughs> a bit less... Yeah, it was like... When the when I picked Sun Hill two, a pressure valve just released, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> thank fuck, Jesus Christ!" So yeah, what's your number? What's your sixth pick, Matthew? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go sports or racing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Burnout Three Takedown, mm-hmm. a series I like like rather than love, but definitely like ap- appreciate it. I mean, I just remember this like emerging in real time and it being super exciting. Like, particularly you know, Burnout One, this idea of like oh, you've got to drive like dangerously and drive into traffic to go faster. And you're like, oh, that's really cool. And then I just felt with each game, they made such amazing leaps. And after this, there's there's not one which, like, uh, it's revenge is for, isn't it? Um, yes, that's right, yeah. Or is that take- yeah, yeah, like, it's again, down, it's, yeah. it's 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 it maybe becomes a little bit diminishing returns after that point. I know Burnout Paradise, but that almost feels like so different that it's kind of you have to kind of put it in a different category. Yet yeah, this just how like big and exciting and obnoxious it is. You know, a game that really captures like the the thrill of speed and the kind of just this the carnage of the takedowns, the kind of the camera that follows the cars as you flip them by. Just a really like really exciting game like a game that just gets going like instantly and doesn't take time to win you over it serves up all its best stuff like instantly and just says like here you go enjoy this a big generous game in terms of like the different modes um that you can kind of you know the different kind of race types the, the crash mode obviously is like one of the best mini games of all times a series of very busy road junctions which you drive into aiming to create as much chaos as possible it wasn't burnout too uh this added i think i want to say this added things like the aftertouch we could like jump around a bit as the car and just like really came alive a great multiplayer game as well yeah i i just you know i think the, the burnout series is something i really associate with the ps2 era they were multi-format but they feel like well some of them were uh, this this one wasn't on um gamecube just one and two but yeah just really of that time everything you know it's kind of like licensed music soundtrack you know it feels kind of of a piece with tony hawks in a way you know it's that its values feel very similar to me very shiny very fun yeah i just why not (laughs) yeah i think that this is a good pick so i agree that this is kind of a sweet spot between Burnout being quite a sort of straight-faced racing game, which I think the first one was mm. straight, you know, straight-faced street racing, uh, street racing game. Like it wasn't um, as big on. It was quite conservative with how much it let you just use the actual, you know, burnout mechanic yeah. and to hit the kind of nitrous button. It's almost like it didn't know what it had. Yeah. And then the second one like really identifies what it has and dials in on it. And then the third one, like you say, just kind of like. Um, takes it to that next level of sort of chaos and silliness my memory of um revenge is that it's a bit too much it's a bit too chaotic we did a big interview with um 
uh, Alex Ward from Criterion in official Xbox magazine. Alex Dale on the mag did the interview. A really great interview because they've obviously set up their, they've got their sort of, sp- their, they all left, all the kind of creative heads sort of left Criterion, set up a studio called Three Fields Entertainment who kind of make games sort of based on burnout now. You know, they're kind of, you know, on, on a smaller budget, much smaller team, but kind of spiritual successors. And so we did a big interview about that. And I actually just, I had a little quote from it where he was talking about making Burnout 3, which he says, like, this is the best one we ever made, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, this little quote from the interview said, um, uh, that was a time period where we were really influenced by SSX. In that series, you can kind of power the character up. And then when you go back to the start, the character fully charged, you know, it's a completely different game. That was mind blowing. SSX was a bold and vibrant game made by a brilliant creative director called Stephen Rechnaffer who was a Burnout 2 fan. He came to visit us and gave us uh, the wonderful advice that using the boost in Burnout 3 should be like snorting a huge bowl of cocaine. SSX was big and brash, and when you got into the zone with Run DMC thumping, it was very clear. And I just like this idea of, like, this was like EA's sporting identity. Like, these big, brash, like, they really sold you on, like, the fantasy of, like, you're going fast, you're doing amazing stuff. Um, I almost picked one of the SSX games for this, but I don't have the same emotional attachment to them, so I thought it would be a bit a bit false. Mm, yeah, same. Yeah, I think that this I think this is a really good pick. I I will say I think that Tony Hawk's Pro Skate Three is a little bit more PS two e in my head than this is. Yeah, I mean, but then that's a really arbitrary like criteria. No, so. I think I think that I think that is that is, that is fair. It's more like the attitude of like big dumb noisy sports games feels mm. ps2 so i felt like i wanted to pick something from that genre it's interesting that neither of us has picked old um uh, playstation's incredibly boring car game <laughs> yeah that was why i didn't pick it i mean i just i know that like i knew loads of kids who fucking love gran turismo 3 oh, and like how know- can you love that game it's it's the most beautiful but like cold thing ever. i do not understand that series at all uh, it's like deadening yeah i think that i think it's just like a car enthusiast thing i mean it's like um you know i know some people prefer like mainline forza to forza horizon i'm like i'm kind of like i'm only really wired to enjoy racing games like forza horizon you know so yeah i think that i think that it's a real shame that you can't get burnout the older burnout games on ea's game pass thingy because that mm. would actually be spot on with the Xbox's backwards compatibility. That like you can, mm. you can play like Black on there, ancient Xbox shooter Black. And I thought, well, you know, surely the older Burnout games would be a really good addition to that. But I suppose like it's mm. probably no one's job to think about putting that stuff on there. So you know, mm. yeah, good pick, Matthew. Good pick. But um, yeah, Gran Turismo. I mean, hey, it got an entire generation of uh, young men into feeder. You know, the um, the sort of light indie rock band so um you know okay cool so we're on my seventh pick i believe um mm-hmm. oh what should i pick at this point so at this point yeah like you say the competition sort of the competitive element is lessened a little bit because now it's just about picking some cool stuff like there's no race yeah. to grab a thing so let's go with um my shittiest pick then which is for open world game you pick grand theft auto vice city i'm picking san andreas okay so I think that the residual affection for the 80s makes Vice City probably the right pick if you're going first. Mm. But this is the best-selling game on the console, San Andreas. I mm. think that 
on that basis, I feel like it sort of has a place. It showed what the PS2 could do at its peak. You always see, like, you know, <laughs> someone, a modder has hacked CJ into, you know, Breath of the Wild or whatever. And you're like, okay, I guess there's just a lot of, you know, he was just such a pervasive pop culture figure that <laughs> yeah, people right. are big into him. Um, I'd really, really love to read some cultural analysis on San Andreas by, you know, some people who are better equipped for that sort of thing than me. Because there's not a lot of that on the internet, actually. And I would love to know what people think of it. It's kind of like, kind of uses like Boys in the Hood as a sort of starting point for this sort of like, you know, south central la sort of type narrative and then sort of like it then it turns into this sort of like mad odyssey across california just increasingly bizarre yeah you go to like a version of uh, san francisco and a version of vegas just an absolutely enormous game pack with secrets as well obviously has like a jetpack um there's a mission that takes you to liberty city from gta 3 there is an area 51 a version called i think it's called area 69 of course because rockstar games um <laughs> obviously has these rpg elements which I, I i'm not convinced added loads of loads to it to be honest the ability to get oh, fat was... to work out but rockstar have never really got that like weird rpg thing down <laughs> no no but i, I must i must admit so i think vice city is a good pick because all of the versions of Vice City that Rockstar has done on um, on like newer consoles has changed like the color palette of the original version on PS2. Like it, they right. never look, the skies never look as blue or pink. And I don't know why that is, but people have like modded it on PC to try and try and restore the original look. But right. but the same also applies to San Andreas, where mm. like the orange sky that's over like Grove Street, which is you know an iconic bit of imagery in that game, is like it's not as orange. It doesn't look the same. And I'm quite like. I'm quite obsessed with the minutiae of this stuff because I think in this early part of um, the open world genre's lifespan, all these details fed into making these worlds feel very real and very oh. very vibrant. So yeah, like just uh, like the the re- like the resolution or the kind of softness of CRT is like it's almost part of the heat shimmer of the game. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, the look and feel of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like that thing with the Silent Hill too. It's it's, it's the texture of these games is is so kind of vital. Yeah, it really is. And like here, obviously, you just have the uh, that um, married to the ambition of you know this vast world with like a countryside in between. All of these different radio stations. I think that to a lot of people, the radio stations here are probably uh, probably as or comparably at least like. Um, important to how vice city did it i mean i think vice city's like music is such a key part of why that game works so well Hmm. but um you know uh, the music is fantastic in this game as well the 90s setting is very kind of like real feeling it's a bit shitty to pick another gta but i think they're kind of two sides of the same coin yeah i don't think it's shitty at all it's it's perfectly valid i just yeah i just never clicked as much with with san andreas I, i had such a bumpy ride with it along the way because it has a few sticking points, which just made me so cross mm. that it kind of like tainted it for me. That fucking f- flying a little helicopter <laughs> around that building site or whatever it was. Yeah, that's that's oh a bull- that is a bullshit mission. The, all the missions you do for the David Cross character in this game, zero are absolute shit. Yeah. They are I mean, optional, but yeah, Vice City has them too. Like the one where you have to go and save Watts' chops from the junkyard mm. quite early um, on. Yeah, was oh, that? Early? I feel like it's early. Isn't it early on that you're controlling a small helicopter or something like that? I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, sorry. Oh, in San Andreas. Yeah, sorry. No, I was looking at a junkyard in Vice City was, right. um, where your mate gets like taken hostage. It's like two thirds into it. Absolute pig. Absolute pig of a game. And this was, they were both before like 
proper checkpointing or anything as well. So you just have to do all the, the driving across the city to fail again and again and again. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. Stressful. These... We put up with a lot of bullshit. For such critically acclaimed games, these games have got a lot of bullshit in them. <laughs> yeah, these games are like, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, the shooting with both of them is rough, of course, as well. Oh, terrible. Um, <laughs> I really love the mix of characters in um, in San Andreas, though. You mean, but there's no reason why this guy would, like, leave this city and go on this, like, grand journey and stuff. But it's yeah. like... It, it is almost like an RPG-like structure in terms of the journey of it, and then you come back at the end and, you know, yeah. track down and the friends is, that betrayed you. It, it, like, the buzz and the excitement around this, you know, I can remember just, like, you know, this was this was probably around the time where, you know, I think I was at university and had, like, better internet access so I could watch, like, very slow-loading videos on, like, IGN or whatever of this and be like, wow, mm. you know, like... It's got the whole world between the cities. There's like countryside and woods and all that was like the scale of it was mind blowing at the time. Obviously now that like we kind of take that stuff for granted, but like the size of it was just sort of obscene back then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the other the other really obvious one I could have picked here was Bully, but yeah, I had I, that as my backup. Yeah, I sort of I considered that, but I thought that for a PS2 mini. I mean, bully. You can play on backwards compatible on Xbox formats and stuff. I've not, I've not let that inf- influence my choices really. Yeah. But I think that San Andreas maybe feels a little bit further away the original version of it. Um, even though you mm. actually can play that on PS4, that's a bullshit criteria. I just think that you need San Andreas <laughs> on a PS2 mini, Matthew. That's why I picked it. But um, um, yeah. did you? I, 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 unless this is picked elsewhere, I'd, I'd be surprised if it was. Um, did you play and have any thoughts on mercenaries? Oh. um... I did play it. I don't. I wasn't a huge fan of it, though, to be honest. Like, um, right. but uh, Pandemic were like a proper sort of. We will just make quite fun seven out of ten developer, and then yeah. it just sort of went away the next generation. But um, no, were you a big Mercenaries fan? No, no, not really. But I, I had that as a potential. Like, it feels very like PS2 era open world in terms of like, well, we've kind of built the space. And then it's got a slightly sort of middling action game in it, which kind of. <laughs> is the character of, of a lot of early open-world games. Yeah, the other one I thought about was Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah. But there's no way that... I mean, that's obviously not comparable to San Andreas. There are better... You know, there is a better version of that experience that exists anyway, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel as compelling a pick. Plus, it was 7 out of 10 at the time and probably be quite rough by today's standards. So, <laughs> yeah. what's your seventh pick, Matthew? I'm kind of left with things I'm less interested in. <laughs> um, I'm going to bite the bullet on survival horror... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Forbidden Siren. Wow, I would have thought you'd pick Fatal Frame 2. That was my backup. But um, Well, yeah. yeah, I guess I kind of like... I guess it comes from a similar place in terms of like the dominance of like Japanese survival horror and like J-horror tropes, which I guess sort of they both sort of tap into. Yeah, I, this feels like more intrinsically playstation to me i guess because i came to fatal frame on wii first like in my head it doesn't feel as playstation even though it, it is yeah forbidden siren is the quite strange uh sort of survival horror where your main power is the ability to sort of sight jack the enemies look through their eyes and use that knowledge to try and like get around them so you basically use what the enemies can see uh, to then, like, t- work out their routines or, you know, whether there's, like, an enemy with a gun so you need to avoid them because they're more dangerous. You kind of... The information you get about the game is through the eyes from the other 
characters' perspectives, which is kind of interesting. I mean, again, this is one, like, I'm not entirely sure I love it. Like, I certainly didn't finish this game. Like, I've only played, like, a bit of it. Also, because I found it super scary and stressful, which I guess isn't a great sales pitch. (laughs) uh, So ignore that. I'm pretty sure this was a series made by the original creator of Silent Hill. I feel like it has a similar kind of sort of cursed vibe. It's got these really distinctive character models, which are quite simple, but like they've almost got like photorealistic faces almost sort of projected on them. It's a really unnerving effect, and it kind of, again, like I keep saying texture, it just, it kind of looks sort of definitively PS2 to me. I don't really know how this game is sort of held in, in like critical consensus. I mean, I feel like they kept doing these on subsequent platforms and they had a very kind of cult small base, like whether it's like a weird little vanity project for Sony or what, I don't know. But, you know, the very traditional Japanese setting, that weird sight jack mechanic, I, I think this is a certainly like an interesting pick. I think it's scary scary stuff I find mean, it very very unnerving so it would sort of satisfy you know on that level maybe it's a good game to discover on a ps2 mini but uh yeah that's that's forbidden siren i think that's a good pick i think that it's um it's a tough category after sun hill 2 it just is yeah and like there's but there is about five or six eight out of ten games that are sort of like you know perfectly good survival horror games if they were released now would be acclaimed you know because they're actually scary um, well, that's it. It's yeah. It's before everyone got embarrassed about you know things being scary, which I don't understand because films are still scary. Yeah, but horror films are absolutely slaying it at the moment. It's just games just don't seem to get it. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I th- hopefully that someone will break that out at, at some point. Maybe we just need, maybe we just need more uh, Japanese game developers to make some horror games. Maybe it's just something about that spe- specific mix of influences that. Um, yeah, maybe. Makes, yeah. So my eighth pick then. Time for my wild card. So I'm going to pick uh, from Koei and Inis, uh, I-N-I-S, I think that's how you say it, Rhythm Action Specialists. I'm picking Guitaru Man on PS2. Uh, yeah. So this, I feel like there's loads of games I considered for this category. I thought about Katamari, Damacy. I don't have that much of a personal relationship with it. And I think that, um, you know, it, I think the, there is a point you make about discoverability on this, Matthew, that I think is a good one. And that's why I think I needed to pick something that just isn't really around at the moment. And so mm. this um, was ported to PSP. So it was like a, a rhythm action game where you basically play a guitar-wielding superhero. Um, his little dog also becomes a little superhero. And you control the sticks to basically pull off sort of guitar moves. And um, they turn in... There A lot of the kind of levels are in the form of like jewels, basically, kind of set pieces playing out in the background, quite visually, a sort of like... Very very stylish game, I would say. It has a great um, art direction. Uh, but there are there's like one pretty famous level where you're playing guitar to your sort of girlfriend. That's really nice. Generally speaking, I think this sums up what was quite actually like quietly quite an important genre on PS2. So you've got mm. stuff like amplitude and um, frequency, which are the predecessors predecessors to Guitar Hero. You've obviously got there's a Parappa the Rapper two on this um, on PS2 as well. So it's kind of continuing a bit of that heritage from PS1. And yeah, this is just um, this is just a favourite of mine. Obviously, Guitar Hero becomes a thing on PS2 before the end of the generation as well. So this, I guess, sums that up. And I think is a good like weird pick for people who I think it's a game people would have heard of but probably not played. Would you say that's accurate? 
Yeah, I actually haven't played this, so yeah, that's like that's the kind of thing which if I saw it on the list, I'd be like, oh, I'll get one of those to play that. Yeah, like um, people who I guess got the SNES Mini to play um, Star Fox Two, but um... right, exactly. It's, it's some, it's, it's uh, yeah, of that ilk. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't played this. Well, probably because it's not readily available. <laughs> yeah, it's not very long. I think the PSP version is like fine, but yeah, I just I, I think PS2 is where it should be. But um, isn't Inus the developer that would make uh, Elite Beat B- Agents and Wendan? Is that them? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah so, you know, this is, um, yeah, I, I think a, a great pick for this category, which I, I also considered God Hand for this category. But it's a bit too obvious a Samuel Roberts choice. So, oh, that's, yeah. I, I, I was still expecting to see that in this list. So, yeah, I, interesting. I just thought I would go against type a little bit to just for a variety's sake. So, um, yeah, it's not just all about me, Matthew. But um, what's your eighth <laughs> pick? Uh, my eighth pick. Oh God, <laughs> I'm really into the dread, like stuff which I. Well, actually no, I, I guess RPG. Though I feel like you've sort of nuked a couple of my options by sort of quite uh, elegantly explaining why you didn't pick them, and now I've got to pick <laughs> one of them. It's <laughs> um, uh, not what you want. No, I uh, see. I was going to say Persona Four, mm. but. I think you're right. Like, there is a better version, and the pitch of that, like, hey, do you want to play, like, the lesser version? Even though it's still amazing in itself. So I think I'm just going to have to... I think I'm going to go Final Fantasy XII. Um, Good pick. Yeah, a really great, classy Final Fantasy. Very, like, grown-up feeling. I f- always feel like it's a bit bit more of a kind of, like, acquired taste. Like, there's something slightly, like, muted about it. Like, a lot of the characters are, are, are a bit more kind of subtle than you might expect from a Final Fantasy. They're a bit more adult-feeling to me. I'm not a huge, huge, huge Final Fantasy guy, so maybe there are better examples than this. But in my mind, you know, okay, you are you are the, 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 the younger link in the group, but it's hanging out with a lot of quite strange, elegant-seeming characters in this world, which is... Um, uh, I'm trying to explain this without making it sound shit. <laughs> <laughs> we need to keep this uh, in now. Wait, that's that's good. You know, I guess if you compare it to Final Fantasy X, which is, you know, a wild tropical paradise, it's a really exciting holiday. This is like, oh no, I was going to say, it's like going to a fucking museum on holiday or something. <laughs> Great. It's, um, <laughs> Just what it's, I want. It's, it's, it is a more, like you say, adult. It's more stimulating in terms of being an RPG as well. Like your sort yeah, of gambit I mean, system mecha- like definitely programming. like mechanically, like there's so much going on. Like the gambit system, where you basically like program the AI behavior of your party members sort of as little or as much as you want, is just like one of the most sort of absurdly detailed RPG systems. And like the magic that's in it is absolutely incredible. It's so thoughtful. Um, and this is that kind of thoughtful game. Like it, it, it doesn't sort of. I must admit, I don't really know the the story to Final Fan- the development story to Final Fantasy Twelve in terms of like how hectic it was. I know it kind of changed directions and didn't change directors. I think that yeah, the direct the original director stepped down. I believe yeah, for health just, reasons. It, yeah, it just I don't know. It just feels like it goes in a in a in a very different direction to the other games. It feels self contained in a way, even though they are all self contained. Its combat system is so distinctive, and its world vision and its art design is so distinctive that it kind of lives alone a bit more. This is definitely the one where, like, I feel I see the least sort of effusive love for it. I think it's kind of 
respected rather than loved. I would agree with that for sure. So I echo what you say about how intricate it is. I mean, this is a game that is running on a console with no hard drive. It's like you've got an eight megabyte memory card and it stores like, you know, hundreds of like different variables of how your characters behave. That's one reason this game is really impressive and how intricate it is. But also just the, even though the resolution I think is lower than Final Fantasy X, it's so, so visually spectacular for a PS2 game. It just looks Mm. amazing. So much so that when they release the HD version, it does look fucking amazing still by today's standards. Mm. I think that's the thing. It's, it's. I, I struggle to kind of pin down its style because it goes to like quite a lot of different locations and with different energies and stuff to it. But I'd I, say everything in it is like really ornate. Yeah, you know, it's 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 just it's very um, it's very fine like game making. <laughs> it is, yeah, and it is like I think in a lot of ways it's antithetical to what people like about Final Fantasy and a kind of tone level, which is that very colourful, quite operatic storytelling. And like, yeah. and just, I think it's a bit more, yeah, like you say, adult, or less, there's, just, there's not that much melodrama in it, really. It's like Denis Villeneuve's Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that as a comparison. That's good. You know, it's like he's the guy who comes in and he takes Blade Runner. And I'm not saying the original Blade Runner is like crass or dumb or needs to be like classed up a bit. But no, it no is way. kind of no that way. for Final Fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think um, as well, this game makes brown look beautiful. Right. Whereas a lot of games at the time that were brown in the wake of Gears of War look fucking ugly by today's standards, and including Metal Gear Solid 4 in places. And um, this game is set in primarily like brown density environments, though not entirely. And uh, yeah, just, but still manages to look amazing and vibrant. Kind of like, um, also like Boris bits of Star Wars as well, this uh, this game, very much so mm. in um, Balthier, the. Um, you know the secret protagonist of the story, and mm. um, yeah, I think I think this is a good pick. I think that ten is much more of a heart pick. Ten, I, th- I think of much more as like the PS2 RPG. This comes out so yeah. late in the life cycle, but I think it's a good. I think it's a good selection nonetheless. I think this is like your you picking Vice City and me picking San Andreas, but for this category where it's like yeah, d- absolutely. Like I said, I, I was I was thinking Persona Four. I did think about Dragon Quest Eight. Yeah, yeah, it would have been quite Which good. Which feels like a big story in that it feels like that's, I don't know. I know there have been other Dragon Quests before, but it, it felt like a, a big kind of push into the West. And mm. like that's when Dragon Quest becomes like, it's definitely where it, it ends up on my radar more. Um, but I just don't have a huge personal connection to that particular one. Yeah, I think there are probably... Um probably later ones that would um, fit the bill better but that was a very well localized dragon a uh, dragon quest game mm. as well and a, a good introduction looked amazing for the time as well the cell shaded graphics mm. so yeah i think um that's uh, that's still still very good though matthew and uh, it was um <laughs> yasumi matsuno the uh, was the director who dropped out of this game oh, okay i want to just double check his name before we um moved on so we're on to my ninth pick penultimate pick matthew i'm going to pick license game i'm going with kingdom hearts oh okay interesting yeah I think this is thinking laterally about the category a little bit. I think it has to, it counts though, right? I mean, it's a Disney I, it, game. It definitely counts, yeah. Yeah. So I think this, again, this is like a, a, a PlayStation exclusive series right up until you get to, um, well, unless you count the handheld ones, Kingdom Hearts 3. So I have a lot of affection for the first Kingdom Hearts. There's obviously um, a kind of mix of Final Fantasy type JRPG tropes and, and other stuff. Some of the characters appear and obviously Disney worlds and Disney characters. 
it's quite it seems like quite a bizarre mix but a very winning one this is one of the best looking games on ps2 like absolutely they came up with a really good art style that managed to accommodate the final fantasy and the the disney characters very well i think that um i wouldn't consider this like a kind of all-time action game or platformer Mm. i think it really is about you have to kind of get into the the you know the the choice to kind of like merge these disney worlds with this other stuff and and kind of go with it i the reason the first kingdom hearts is my favorite is because the story doesn't have a lot of the bad numero law stuff that creeps in later on it's Mm. very straightforward like your friends are sort of scattered to the wind you're on this island dreaming of like you know going away and building a raft and escaping this slightly boring life on an admittedly very gorgeous island those kids didn't know how good they had it Um, Uh, it's quite small though Oh, that's yeah. I think there's like another island where they live, though. Like, I don't think it's just those kids, like um, Lord of the Flies or something. I think, oh, like, okay, because you see a bit in early in the game where um, Sora's mum goes into his bedroom and says, "Sora, where are you?" And so I assume that that little island is like near another island, but um, I don't know. Oh. They never really explain that very well. And then you just go to these different tour these different Disney worlds, and you sort of like just sort of appear within the story, and the stories largely play out as they do in the films to varying degrees of like authenticity in terms of how those stories play out in the films. The Alice in Wonderland story is very pared down to compared to how fucked up and weird that film is. Um, mm. What a great film! But um, yeah, some of the I think some of the other ones like Aladdin is particularly well done. I think in this game, and yeah, I think that to a lot of people, Kingdom Hearts PS2 they're synonymous. Yeah, I suppose between this and Final Fantasy X, I feel like I've got the Square, Squaresoft era stuff wrapped up quite nicely. So mm. there are other licensed games I, could pod- I pondered. I mentioned Spider-Man 2. I thought about Star Wars Battlefront 2. I don't think I could quite... I don't think that quite had enough PS2-ness to pick. Mm. That's why that category was quite tough. Were there any other licensed games you thought about, Matthew? Uh, I thought about The th- the Thing. Yeah, yeah, that seems like quite... A, that, someone should re-release that. That sounded pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, The Thing is... The thing, the thing is that you think, man, this this would be if someone took another run at this now, mm. and could do like slightly more sophisticated things with it. Like on paper, the idea of like, you know, the paranoia of these NPCs who might turn on you, and how you know suspicion, you're suspicious of them that they might be the thing. They're suspicious of you, and it does a pretty good attempt for the time at like replicating that, but just you could do a lot more with that idea now i think it's it, it feels quite prescribed what happens in that game so it's, it's a bit sort of fakesy with it but mm. so yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that that aside though there, are, there aren't like many like top tier licensed games it's not a great era for that type of game is it no not not massively i guess like it, i'm not i'm not big into them i'm not saying they're necessarily good games but like EA threw a lot of money at making quite polished movie tie-ins, like the Bond games. They made some quite, uh, like, visually lovely Lord of the Rings hack and slashes. Yeah, that might not have been a bad pick, actually, one of those. You know, they're, they're like, absolutely, like, 7 out of 10 territory. But, like, in terms of, oh, wow, it's the stuff from the film looking quite good on your TV, pretty good, I thought. Yeah, for sure. I played a lot of that Two Towers one, actually. And um, the the Return of the King one was very well reviewed for the time, I think. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah stuff like not not quite like up there, but definitely like an interesting an interesting time for licensed games. Yeah, me picking Kingdom Hearts is like gambling against Matt Castle in a lot of ways. It's like I'm putting my chips. <laughs> no, on my, it's good. You know. It's like it kind of makes total sense because it's sort of it's almost like the definitive licensed game in terms of like. You know, you're trying to work with 
one of the most like notoriously controlling like IP holders of all time mm. and to get them to do what they do and get them to go where those games go must have taken like some incredible feats of negotiation and also as part of that the like the authenticity like the idea of getting like actors back from the films to voice their characters again in the games like it's it's pretty amazing like what they did with those games I, absolutely, they they capture an extraordinary amount of the original actors. The other thing is, I think that I think other people have pointed this out, but this was actually quite a low ebb for Disney at the time. So this was like early mm. noughties where they they kind of come off the back of like a few of their two D animated films flopping, and CG was just getting going. They didn't own Pixar yet, and so that might have been like another factor of you know how else can sort of Disney get its characters out there or grow its reputation or whatever. So I think it might have been like a feat of timing as much as anything. Mm. I feel good about that pick, Matthew. Yeah, so. I think that's, I think that is, I think that is perfectly valid and, and very solid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your ninth pick? Platformer. Uh, I, this maybe this doesn't pass the PS2 test, but I'm going to say Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Oh no, that's a great pick actually. That didn't even cross my mind. Like nice nice work, sir. Nice yeah, work. I I feel like, you know, it's a great platformer for for starters. I mean, the the decision to kind of take take that kind of, you know, a, a series famed for its sense of movement and motion and acrobatics and translate that fully into 3D. It was so elegantly done. It had a time rewind mechanic in that you had the sort of the dagger of time or whatever it was, which basically let you rewind and take a second run at something if you botched it. And almost with that safety net, it let them string together these huge chains of like sort of acrobatic feats of like, you know, a wall run into a pole swing into a jump off this, a jump off that. It could just ask a lot more of you because it it gave you the ability to kind of fix little bits of your runs. The kind of Arabian Nights theme, beautifully done, had this very soft lighting on it. The framing of this game is kind of like one of the best narrative devices ever, I think, in a video game, in that it's, it's the prince kind of telling you his story after the fact. And... You know, whenever he dies, he's like, oh, no, that wasn't right. And then kind of corrects himself. So they rewind it and you take a second run at it. It's, you know, storybook in every sense of the word. The tragedy of this is just how much they fucked it following it, going down this grim sort of angsty teenage sort of um, sort of violence phase with two and three. But this game, if ignoring those, I think is, is just a, a really majestic, magical platformer. Which I associate more with the generation, maybe, than specifically PS2. But listen, I didn't have a lot to pick from. <laughs> no, I think that um, this is, yeah, definitely like a multi-format game. I'm sure, you know, this, I think, sold well across like all formats, basically. But um, I think it's perfectly fine because of, of its generation, yeah, this is a very significant game. Um, like an, an intricate platformer as well, one that requires mm. skill, which is actually quite a hard thing to find from this generation. Like a, a platformer that's not super fiddly that is like critically legit that's quite tough mm. and i think this I, is a really good pick yeah yeah and my other one for this was was i was toying whether i could pass off um, whether tomb raider anniversary counted mm, i think that would have been a stretch yeah because it's more of an action platformer hybrid it's got i love the platforming in it and the it is a really gorgeous remake of that game but um yeah prince of persia i think i'm pretty pretty safe with cool yeah Tomb Raider would have been a good like um, free pick, maybe. But yeah, 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 that would have been a hard pick, but maybe an unwise one. Mm, okay, fair enough. Okay, so my final pick, Matthew, my tenth pick is for action or stealth game. 
Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition. Yeah. So, again, I could have picked God Hand for this one. This was tough because I knew that if I got Silent Hill 2, I'd lose Metal Gear Solid 3, so I planned accordingly. <laughs> this is an interesting category as well because I didn't feel like I could pick just Stealth Game because that narrows it down to basically, like, you know, Metal Gear and Splinter Cell, which is just too narrow. But you have to have capacity for Metal Gear to be picked at all the outside of free pick i think so mm. that's why i kind of fused it with this which is you know action is a very vague word obviously but mm. i think in terms of how 3d action comes into its own this generation devil may cry is like the headline story of it really the first game is fantastic i debated picking the first game it's definitely not as good as this one it's not as varied in terms of its combat it's not as um, funny tone wise but it does arrive as a kind of complete package and was like a really significant early sort of PS2 exclusive. One of the most significant things Capcom did on the system in a generation where it was um, primarily focused on GameCube, it seemed, for a lot of it. Mm. So, yeah, Devil May Cry 3, it's, um, it comes with four different sort of styles in combat. So you can vary up your play style. Um, this isn't worked on by um, Kamiya. He's um, working on uh, Clover Studio at this point, making Beautiful Joe and Akami. So uh, they did a great job with it after Devil May Cry 2 famously shat the bed. This has some fantastic <laughs> bosses, really just good level design generally. Like I say, the tone is spot on. It's really kind of silly and fun. Dante is a fun character. It's all about his um, fight with his brother, Virgil. It's um, a prequel to the first game. And um, as we've explored on previous episodes of this podcast, we're still not really sure what Dante's business is, how it's sustainable, how he's covering his <laughs> rent, all that stuff. But, you know, we don't need to litigate that now. Um, yeah, so Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition, Matthew. I don't have loads more to say about it. I, I talked about it quite a lot on our Best Games of 2006 episode. It was a high, yeah. a high pick for me. But this was like probably the defining, you know, combat action experience I had on the console. So I feel good picking it. Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, a, a, yeah. A really, really great pick. I think is widely held as the as the best in the series. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think five has got a good reputation, but I think it's quite a short game. And three, I think, has the yeah, benefit five, of the yeah. Five, five's great, but I think what people like about five is that it's you know Dante is very much like he is in three. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people like. <laughs> yeah, people were waiting um, a long time for that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's a that's a really great pick. A very PlayStation game as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, a, a, a wise one. So yeah. we've come to your final pick, Matthew. Oh. <laughs> This category, shooter or fighting game. So, I just, I have, I just have no connection with fighting games whatsoever. Like, I just don't play them. I kind of, it's terrible. It's like the one genre I'd say I have zero opinions on. I, I think I bought like a Soul Calibur on GameCube. Yeah, that would be the second one with Link in it, right? Yeah, and I really tried to give it a go, and I was, it just, I just can't get into this genre at all, and. You know, for some people that's like hand in your gamer card or whatever, but I just I just can't get excited about it. Which kinda leaves me with shooters, which is just rancid outside of Time Space 2. This is this is my weakest pick by far. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying this. I'm gonna say Red Faction One. Okay. Interesting. Um yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, this is just because I have to pick something. The novelty on paper, you know, the big thing with this was it had its like defamation of like the environments you could like blow holes and things and bits of rock would fall down you could shoot a hole in the wall and shoot someone it's obviously a very technically limited version of that but it was enough that i remember playing this 
like split screen multiplayer with my brother and having like a relatively good time i think it is a total seven out of ten maybe even a six out of ten <laughs> why is it on my fucking ps2 mini i have no idea it let you shoot a hole in some rocks and that's more interesting than any other shooter i played on ps2 <laughs> <laughs> see i thought you might have stretched the definition of shooter a little bit and picked something like i think there's like an r-type game on on there for uh, example, you see Grannies. again that I did. I did contemplate that. R type final. That's like quite an acclaimed game. Yeah, but I, I again, like it would be based on absolutely nothing. Like I literally haven't played any of those games on on the platform, and I felt like I just couldn't. I had to have something which I had some experience in, hmm. even though it's rancid. It really is a duffer. It may have single handedly lost me this draft. <laughs> oh no! I feel so bad um, for you. Are you sure you don't want to re-roll this one? I'll allow it if you do. I, I, I can't, I, I just can't fake it. And I honestly couldn't think of anything else. I mean, like, I was so desperate. The two things I had written down was Red Faction and Cold Winter. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because Cold Winter was, like, absolutely solid. It's mm. a game which you play and you're like, oh, that's surprisingly solid. <laughs> but that's it. That's all it has going for it is that it's a surprisingly solid feeling shooter. Um, I contemplated, like, did I like any of the kind of Medal of Honor stuff that was happening on PS2? But again, that felt like a series that didn't, you know, everything good about it was happening on play, was happening on PC, and it was just like a poor version of whatever they were doing on PC at the time. That's a, um, weird, that's a weird trend for this era, because all the Call of Duty games are the same, aren't they? They're not the same as the Call of Duty games on PC. They're like, yeah, yeah lesser versions. It's all a little bit, there was that one which was like Pearl Harbor. Like, oh, was Rising, it Rising Sun. Sun. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, you know, I yeah, I... Listen, I really struggle with this genre. It's, I think it's an absolute pig. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stick to my, stick to my quite unsatisfying feeling guns, uh, and say red faction. <laughs> okay, are you? Re- this is a final chance. Are you really sure, Matthew? Because I will let you re-roll this if you want. No, Pick I, a Tekken, I, like, virtual I, I, fire. I, just because I don't have, I don't have anything better. All right. Okay. All right. Well, what a pig! What a pig of a <laughs> pig of a pig. <laughs> Well, <laughs> what a great way to end there. Uh, ending on a high. <laughs> Good stuff. I, I saw mean, a console which runs the gamma from Metal Gear Solid 3 to Red Faction 1. <laughs> That's something else. I don't. I think you're being a bit... First of all, I don't know why you didn't pick the second Red Faction, which I think is a, was a better game, like a legit fun shooter. I remember playing it at the time and thinking it was pretty good. Oh, um, I don't even remember that existing. <laughs> um, yeah, I knew a kid who was weirdly obsessed with the Red Faction, and he, um, he was a beta tester on the second one. He used to boast about um, how exciting that was, and I was very jealous. Ooh. But now, as someone who's played loads of preview code for bad games, I don't really care. But yeah, <laughs> so, okay, well, we're done then, Matthew. Uh, that was really fun. Quite stressful, but fun. Would you, just, would <laughs> yeah. you say that? I, th- I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a good exercise. Um, yeah, hope- it, was, it was fun. It was nice to go into it and think about it in those ways. I think the categories forced some you know interesting thinking I, th- I don't i think it's a mix of the mainstream and and sort of slightly more hidden gems i think we've done all right yeah i think next time you should pick which console we do for one of these drafts because mm. that way you're the one who's on like home territory and i have to work a bit harder to research it so um maybe give that some thought see if there's anything that fits and we'll um We'll circle back to it but mm. let's um so let's read out our our entries then matthew let's do it like um one by one so i'll read out my category one you read out your category one yeah. etc for shooter or fighting game i have time splitters two i have red faction <laughs> uh, for um second category survival horror i have silent hill two i have forbidden siren category three sports or racing i have tony hawk's pro skater three 
I have Burnout 3 Takedown. For Category 4, which is RPG, I have Final Fantasy X. I have Final Fantasy XII. For Category 5, Action or Stealth Game, I have Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition. I have Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater Subsistence. For Category 6, I have Platformer. Uh, sorry, for Category 6, Platformer, I have Jack and Daxter The Precursor Legacy. I have Prince of Persia Sands of Time. For Category 7, Open World Game, I have GTA San Andreas. I have GTA Vice City. For Category 8, Licensed Game, I have Kingdom Hearts. I have The Warriors. <laughs> That's a good pick. For Category 9, Wildcard, I have Guitar Man. I have Gregory Horror Show. For Category 10, Free Pick, I have Shadow of the Colossus. And I have God of War 2. Okay, ah, great stuff. There's loads of great games in there. That's um, that's good. So, all you have to do at home is running for the week after this, because I can only make a Twitter poll run for a week, unfortunately. I'll put it up the Friday that we um, we put the episode up, which will be the 13th. So running till about, I guess, the 20th of August 2021, you'll be able to vote for this. If you go to the top of Backpage Pod on Twitter, you will see a poll where you can just vote Samuel or Matthew. And... Um, on the Tuesday after this episode's gone live, I will put the um, I'll take a screen grab of the different games, um, give people a chance to listen to it, and then put a screen grab of the games up so people can make their picks. So, yep, if you vote, then we'll uh, we'll address the results um, two episodes from now. We'll make sure that we discuss it. So, um, yes, vote for who picked the best games for this PS2 mini. But um, any closing <laughs> thoughts, Matthew? Before we have one short final ca- uh, one short final section here. I hope we do get some more mini consoles for real, I guess. I'd certainly like to have one to play them. So, you know, if anyone from PlayStation is listening to this and they're like, you know what, those 20 games, that would that would be a banger. Let's do it. Um, please <laughs> yeah. do do it. Yeah, 19 of those games and Red Faction would be, you know. <laughs> They're like, oh, we can't get any of them except for Red Faction <laughs> 1. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If Sony did this for real, I don't think they would get all of these games. But, no. you know, hey, what can you do? But, yeah, I, um, I I think the console I want more than any other is basically a, a PS2 with a HDMI port. So um, I long dream of yeah. such a thing. So, Matthew, I've got one short final section to give you here. We're going to take a short break. We'll come back. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the premise to some weird PS2 games. And you have to guess what the name of the game is. So we'll take a short break. Yeah, let's do it. final short section of this podcast so to kind of catch the breadth of the ps2 you can only do so much when you're picking 20 games like i say it's apparently got more than 1800 games as console it's out of control you know there's no time for example to talk about the um, thunderbirds tie-in game that is on ps2 or the um, many bad fifas you know it's just there's too much so in this section what i've done is um i know a fair amount of play about playstation because obviously i owned a ps2 and i worked on a playstation mag so i've dug into some relatively obscure some are some are super obscure some are like more well-known games that matthew i will read out the premise to matthew of these games and he has to guess what the name of the game is see if he yeah. it, it kind of sparks anything on his head so matthew 
All of these games were released in either Europe or America, except the first one, um, which is a Japanese-only game, but it's quite an easy one to kick off with. So number one, in this Japanese-only adventure game, a man whose job is to find things people have lost is stuck in a time loop leading up to the day an explosion goes off. I actually don't know what that... (laughs) (laughs) You have played it on another format. I've played it on another format. Oh, is this Flower Sun Rain? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, well done. Um, Phew, that was that could have been my credentials mega busted. <laughs> I wanted to give you at least one that I knew you would get. So, um, yeah, that's what I was hoping I'd describe that enough without it being too vague. Um, okay, so, number two. In this stealth-style game, a mosquito has to covertly suck the blood of the different family members living in a house to survive the <laughs> upcoming winter. This was released in Europe. So, uh, I actually know what this one is. Yeah, I, I thought... This is, yeah, yeah. This is Mr. Mosquito. Correct, yes. So... I again wanted to pick because it's actually like there's actually like a canon of obscure PS2 games and this keeps coming up. But I, right. I feel like this was talked about a lot in magazines back in the day. Have you played it? Is it good? I don't know. No, I've no idea. I haven't played any of these. I should say actually. So, oh well, um, okay. There's <laughs> a lot of research uh, gone into these, but um, yeah, good, good. You're two for two so far. Well, this is good. Okay, in this RPG, you draw your own monsters in the game using a canvas on screen, and they come to life. So you can make your self-designed monsters. You're basically drawing monsters on screen. Battle other creatures. It was released in America, but not Europe. Any idea? Oh, gee, I don't know. Like, I don't know, like paint beasts? <laughs> You're actually kind of along the right lines there. It's called um, <laughs> Magic Pen Gel, The Quest for Colour. Um, <laughs> quite an obscure game. Um, but I watched, oh, a, I watched a Let's Play where a guy like awkwardly drew a snake on screen in like um on ps2 a very simple snake it's just a shape basically and then it becomes a monster in the game that's like it's only the only thing it's got going for it really right um okay so in this light gun shooter that is clearly inspired by the movie run lola run a woman with red hair is on the run from an agency that wants her dead in a dystopian future dominated by a virtual reality company it was released in europe Oh, Christ. No idea. Scarlet Killer. <laughs> this is Endgame from Empire Interactive. Oh, um, right. Sounds uh, like Alias. <laughs> it was quite aliasy, but she looks exactly like, um, is it Franca Patent, the um, actress in um, Run, Lola, Run? Oh, that's based. <laughs> Let's make a light gun game semi-based on Run, Lola, Run. <laughs> yeah, it was the early noughties, Matthew. That is so weird. That is weird. <laughs> um, this is one I think you might get. So... In this horror game made by a developer who had gone to do great things, you're in a Kyoto manor in the Heian period of Japanese history. Is it Heian? Have I pronounced that correctly? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Dealing with humans resurrected as monsters by two mystical trees. This was released in Europe. Oh, fucking blimey. I thought you might have come across this in your research. It's a very notable developer. No, I have I've, I've no idea. Because like, sometimes he's... this came out over here. Yeah, it did, actually, yeah. From a small label, but it did come out. Uh, it's like a proper weird horror game. Yeah, you get things like, you know, clock tower stuff and things like that. I I actually, I, I, have, I, have, I have no idea. Okay, it's uh, Kuon from From Software. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Released by... Well, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah, I came. I, I sort of. I have heard of it. Didn't know much about it. It was like a, got mediocre reviews, but um, yeah, quite noticeable. This was a game they worked on before. Um, the... is, this, is this actually a Miyazaki game? No, it's not. I think it's before. I think it's before his time. 
But, oh, okay, um, right. Yeah. So yeah, it was, but it comes up in lists of best survival horror games. When I was Ooh, like difficult. Yeah. Sorry. So maybe I made this too hard. Sorry. No, that's no. It's good. It's good. Uh, okay. Cool. Um. Okay. So this number six, an oddball alternative to Metal Gear Solid Two by a notable Japanese creator and developer. This espionage thriller has you uncovering the intentions of a terrorist organization called Enigma. It was released in Europe. Oh, this isn't like. I should say the creator would go on to be notable. Oh, okay. Oddball stealth thing. That's like... Cause I, the thing that I always think of, that's like... But it was N64, there was like Operation Winback. Yeah, you're sort but of I, along the right lines, kind of. But I, it's not that was N64. Oh, I, I don't know. Is it going to have some terror? I, I don't know, like... Physically. Shadow Agent. I don't know. Well, you're, you're <laughs> fairly close there. It's, um, it's uh, spy fiction. And oh, spy fiction. Yeah, Sweary was a developer. Sorry, six five. Oh, that's fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I thought I, I thought it was a good one, but yeah, <laughs> I made yeah. this too depressingly hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I had a good start. I've got a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, you're doing all right. Okay, so in this early PS2 RPG, you play a musician stuck in a five day time loop after he's asked to play at an island wedding. The game features multiple guitar-based mini games, and I think your guitar in the game actually is sentient. It comes to life. Um, this is like a super early PS2 RPG that was originally intended to release on Dreamcast Um, so yeah, Japanese RPG it sounds amazing I can't believe I I love time loop games but I I have definitely not heard of this Trapped in Paradise no, it's called Ephemeral Fantasia Um, (laughs) yeah, it's a Konami RPG but it was actually very poorly reviewed when you look at it, it's so rough visually um yeah, it's mm. it's really funny. This is a year apart from Final Fantasy X. They look about five years apart, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so this you might get this one. So, number eight. In this first PS2 outing from Core Design, you control four characters and try and solve puzzles and kill enemies in a Judge Dredd-style future. Uh, core Design, yeah. Um, it's like one of them's a robot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can see the four of them. Uh, it's not. I. I. I can't. I can't think of a name like Elite Squad. No, it's called Project Eden. Project Eden. Yeah. 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 yeah that rings a bell. Okay. Good. Um. Yeah. I. Ha- I had hoped you get that one. God, I've made this. Oh, I've made sorry. This too- no, no. I, I've just made this too hard. This is on me. This is on me. Okay. Cool. So number nine in this turn-based strategy game uh, that features a lot of mechs, we're in an alternate history version of Japan, where it was conquered by both the U.S. and the Soviet Union and subsequently split into two warring countries. This was released in Europe by a major Japanese publisher. I mean, that sounds like a bit like Front Mission. Yeah, yeah it's along those lines for sure when you look at it. Um, um, but a different publisher. A different publisher. Oh, jeez. I've really, really let myself down with my lack of obscure PS2 knowledge. <laughs> well, you never worked on a PS2 back, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know, Robo War. <laughs> It's actually called Ring of Red. Um, it's a Konami Ring game. Ring of Red, blimey. Yeah. Okay, one final one, Matthew. I don't think Come you're going to get Can this. I redeem myself? Probably I, not. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get this one. Um, I'm going to tell you the publisher right up, though, to try and give you an extra chance. So Enix. Yeah. Enix published this. It only came out in America and not Europe. Okay. You control... In this action game, you control a robot called a Mega Knight to fight an alien race called the Volgara. By, by robot, I mean, like, we're talking Power Rangers size, like, city fights, basically. Okay. That kind of thing. Um, but you also control your character on foot um, in, in, a, in amongst the chaos. So, yeah, any idea? 
Fuck no. <laughs> Sa- sounds amazing, but absolute. I have. I like. I want to play all of these games you've described. They set sa- that sounds like a great gimmick, but um, fuck uh, t- total destruction. It's called um, Robot Alchemical Drive or Rad. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, this is like um, this was a quite an obscure pick, but it was a really interesting game to read about. It's one of the rarest um, PS2 games, I believe, in North America, but. Um, yeah, so sorry to. I uh, basically uh, <laughs> what a bummer to end on. I've just been giving those you time loop games. Have just reminded me of that weird. Is it that weird? Is it Konami? The one where you're in the town? Yeah, Shadow and of Memories. I almost picked that, but I Shadow thought... of Memories that could have been a that could have been a good uh, cult like wild card. Yeah, that would have been a good pick actually. Yeah, I sort of um, I thought about including it here, but I thought oh, Matthew will probably be able to guess that quite easily, and, um, uh, and instead <laughs> yeah. I made it so hard that you couldn't guess any of them. So apart from two. <laughs> Uh, Listen, I, I'm pleased I got two because when I got those two, I thought, "Oh no, if I get all of these, Sam's going to feel sad that I was too good at his quiz." <laughs> uh, and then that didn't happen, so now it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all good. Um, no, that was um, that was fun though. Hopefully, um, people at home who I guess have like mega PS2 knowledge, hopefully enjoyed that. Everyone else is just really <laughs> confused. Um, yeah, I should have thrown in something like really weird, like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban tie-in or something. But um, <laughs> Matthew, we've done it. The PS2 mini draft is over. So. As stated, if you're listening to this on the uh, the week beginning the 13th of the Friday the 13th of um, uh, August, you can go vote for this on Backpage Pod on Twitter. That's where you'll find us generally on Twitter. So uh, let us know your thoughts on this episode. We'll also at some point post like the blank categories so people can tweet us and tell us what they would pick for the categories. I think that would be fun. Um, mm-hmm. Drive engagement, as the community managers say. And yes, Matthew, where can people find you on Twitter? I am Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts. We'll be back next week with an episode about Games Magazine rivalries. That was a fun one, wasn't it, Matthew? Yeah, it's great. You look forward to it. Yeah, you are in for an absolute treat. Some of the best um, stories you've heard on this podcast so far. So thank you very much for listening. We'll, we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.